Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range EDC, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. March is upon us with basketballs and brackets flying willy-nilly around the world in the search of perfection. Which school will win the games? Which person in your circle of friends will manage to score the best bracket? And even better, will it be that one person who totally guesses and uses criteria like, I knew someone who graduated from there, or I just really like their mascot to determine their picks and forever incur the ire of everyone else? At any rate, we're celebrating this month by going through our own bracket with nothing less than adjudicating the best episode of the greatest television show ever witnessed in human history, and it all starts in this, episode 95, Battlestar Galactica Bracket, Region 1. I am your Uncle Todd, and with me, as always, is the man who once sat at a gas station in rural New Hampshire for an hour and a half before realizing that it was self-service. He has been my partner in EDC for over two decades and is most definitely not a Cylon, at least that I'm aware of, I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend. How are you? I'm doing all right now. Uh, However, uh, coming off of a four or five day head cold, uh, it's been a little dodgy. And that that whole self-service business at the gas station, it's happened to the best of us. Yeah, the best part is it was before the day of cell phones. You're just sitting there staring (laughs) around. I wasn't playing my Wordle. (laughs) I have not yet. Are you on Wordle? Are you I am that? on Wordle, brother. Oh, I am. Good God. I am knocking it out every morning. It's 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 a little bit of brain exercise. You know what That's I mean? That's it. You're fired. You're fired. I'm getting Jimmy Dice on the next episode. <sighs> Actually, who am I kidding? He's probably on Wordle, too. I'm like the last holdout. I, I, I have a Wordle I do. I have a Sudoku I do. It's all brain calisthenics. You got to you know exercise the muscles. Wow. And this is and this is the still this is the good as good as it gets then huh? <laughs> well, I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, alrighty then. Well, oh, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we will be talking about something near and dear to our hearts: Battlestar Galactica. Uh, this mm-hmm. is going to be interestingly enough one of what four did we decide yes or or no actually it's gonna be i think it's it's five because we're gonna we're gonna do we're doing four regions Mm -hmm. and then we are going to have the final episode and we're gonna we're gonna talk about all things that i think at that point anyways we haven't completely decided but it's at least gonna be four (laughs) episodes so if you're if you hate battlestar galactica just feel free to join us in another five weeks and you'll (laughs) You'll probably be happy if you love you some Battlestar Galactica. Welcome on board, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we hope that the next four or five weeks is the greatest of your life. However, before we get to the main topic at hand for this episode, we like to do a little thing called the Week in Geek, where the man they call Tim scours the interwebs Mm -hmm. for little bits of tidbits of information and knowledge that have to do with geekery. Uh, And we actually we kind of sort of have. Uh, a sponsor for this week's Week in Geek. We're not really getting paid for this. So Patrick make a last minute sale or something? 
No, no. This is just kind of a personal one for me. Uh, so this week's uh, this episode's Week in Geek is sponsored by whiskey. Because, uh, you know, <laughs> it's not just for your kids' toothaches anymore. Um, <sighs> it, you know, I found that uh, over the past four or five days with this uh, head cold, having myself a nice hot toddy with, uh, you know, with some nice chamomile tea or maybe throat coat tea, some honey. A nice, nice big old heaping helping of, uh, of lemon, lemon juice, and then, you know, a liberal pour of. of <laughs> when you said heaping, I thought that was the whiskey part. <laughs> no, 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 no. So you get the the way I do it is you you get the honey, and I, I do a good spoonful of honey, and and you know, of course, if you can get local honey, that's the best because if you happen to be having any allergies, be the the bees pick up pollen from around, and apparently that actually helps. I don't know. I'm just. I'm going by what I read in the interwebs, so I'm probably completely wrong. You, then you then you get yourself a nice squeeze of lemon, lemon juice in there, and then you you give yourself a nice, you know, f- a good liberal pour of, of whiskey in there, and then you drop in for me Single? a tea bag, double. Uh, let's say I usually verge towards a double because I want to <laughs> make sure I sleep. Triple. <laughs> <laughs> well. Kind of sometimes, uh, but yes. Uh, so if you're if you're looking for something to just help you kind of clear things up and then ease yourself off to sleep, it's not a bad way to go. I got to tell you, and it's quite delicious. So uh, this episode's Week in Geek is brought to you by whiskey. Week in Geek. Feels so funky. Very nice. Very nice. Well. Uh, you know, if, if you haven't cleaned yourself out enough with the hot toddies, well, we're, what we're about to engage in, we'll, we'll clean you out further. It is Uncle Wait, Todd's favorite part of the week in Geek, Star Wars Red 5, ladies and gentlemen. Which is, you know, about the same, I mean, it is really kind of an enema situation. So yeah, it does clean you out and it's about as pleasant. So yeah, you're, you're as usual, right on target, sir. There we go. Well, uh, we are now uh, stay on target. Entering stay round, on target. round eight uh, with our God. overall score. The man they call Tim. Been doing this eight friggin' episodes now. Are you? We serious? have. We have. Oh, dear. Ladies and gentlemen, I just once again want to apologize. <laughs> I, I don't know when this reign of terror will end any more than you do. I gave this section of the show to Tim, and he's just been—he's De- been demographic been show. It's it's quite grabbing it's quite more popular. and more time, and and then he comes up with these things like fantasy football and this trivia section that I know and you know no one cares. But again, it makes Tim feel better, so we all need to play along and help boost his ego. So let's all just quietly nod and smile as he creates his little trivia thing here. All right, and with with that. Phenomenal intro. Uh, overall score right now, the man they call Tim, 26. Uncle Todd, 21. So he's five down here. Are, are you are you ready, sir? Are you strapped in? Oh, yeah. I'm ready for another farce of an exhibition of trivia, yes. All right. Here we go. Uh, these questions will be uh, – last couple of weeks I've been, instead of jumping across the book, uh, kind of keeping them around a particular film. And so this one will be Return of the Jedi Focus. All right, sir? Ah. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, question number one. What was the maximum speed at which Jabba the Hutt's sail barge could travel? 50 kph, 25, I don't know what kph is. It's not kilometers. It's kilo per hour. I don't know. Uh, 25 kph, 100 kph, or 200 kph. Okay, now how in the hell would I actually know this? Do they show a speedometer in some sort of hidden scene that I'm unaware of? Quite possibly. No, I they they don't. This is a total guess. 
So this question, file this under. It's it's really just a guess at this point. I'm going with 100 kph. All right, so you're going to go with C? Sure. That is what I went with as well, because quite honestly, I had no idea. And that is the correct answer, sir. Mm. So well done. Oh, thank you. I mean, you know, when you think of uh, that scene when the barge is making its way to the Sarlacc pit, it is, you know, it is going on to a pretty good clip. I wouldn't call it a 25 or a 50. I 100 felt right. So yeah. No, they're just not puttering along. They're, they're cruising. <laughs> <laughs> Jabba said, engage. Oh, whoops, wrong, wrong, wrong uh, franchise. Excuse me. Well, and you have to figure with the, with the weight of Jabba, I mean, there's only so fast they're going to get going. <laughs> Yeah, how much fuel must that sail barge burn just carrying them around? <laughs> well, the thing is, it's actually powered on on some br- some type of like intergalactic methane, so it's actually powered on Jabba farts. Because <laughs> if there's uh, one thing that we all know, Jabba is def like the the huts are definitely the gassiest of all the Star Wars species. You, I mean, just sense. look at them. Just look at them. They all look like they're bound up. I think that's why the huts are so angry. Yeah. And so so kind of just like, eh, ho, ho, ho. they're all bound up. Like they're eating too many of the, too many things that are just like stuck in there, well, binding things up. <laughs> lots of cheese, you know. I did not need to hear that. Okay. <laughs> Question number 2. <laughs> what did Admiral Akbar say had to be deactivated if any attack was to be attempted against the second Death Star? A, the shield. B, the Death Star's main power source. C, the Death Star's defense fleet. Or D, the executor. And that would be A, the shield. Is also what I put. Or specifically the shield generator. Yes. Uh, That's why I was a little surprised by the wording. I expected that to be the shield generator. But yes, the shield. I'm surprised they didn't go down to like the model number of the shield generator, actually. Well, I'm sure there's a question about that. You know, NM-2597. All right. Question number three. So well done, sir. We each have, uh, we're two for two. Uh, number three, what did Han Solo say when asked what, what his cargo and destination was as the shuttle Tidarium awaited code clearance from the Empire? A, droid delivery to the Death Star. B, troop reinforcements for the forest moon. C, parts and technical crew for the forest moon. Or D, mechanic crew for the forest moon. Hmm. See, I was waiting for the standard, you know, like arms and munitions and things like that because that always seems to be the thing like everybody's always transporting munitions you know nobody questions it oh yeah bullets sure come on in (laughs) I don't know why that's just an automatic pass like surely no one would lie about that right right. it is sacred Um, uh, it's definitely not the droids Um, what were the last two uh, so A was droid delivery, B was troop reinforcements, C was parts and technical crew, D was mechanic crew. I'm going with C. And that is what I did as well, and that is the correct answer, sir. Well done. Thank you, sir. All right, number four. And the, chalk this up to another one of these. Uh, sure, let's just take a guess. How many days worth of air and food can a TIE interceptor store? A, two days worth. B, six days worth, C, nine days worth, or D, none. Are you fracking kidding me? I kid you not, sir. Where was that in the movie? 
It was not in the movie. It was apparently part of the minutiae data that kind of follows with the movie. So someone decided to make up a number of how many days worth of air and food you can store in a TIE interceptor. <laughs> Frack me. This is stupid. Uh, uh, a. You're going to say A? What, what was A again? I'm just... A was two days worth. B yeah, was six with, days. I'll go C with was A. nine days. D was none. I did none. Uh, so I took D. You are taking A? Mm-hmm. Okay. The answer is A. Well done, hey, sir. I got one. I got hey. one. It's very nice. Very nice, sir. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I went with none because, as I recall, uh, Thai, I mean, most of the pilots of the Thai breed of ship um, basically have masks on because I just presume they needed oxygen. <laughs> So um, I assumed that there would be no air. And quite honestly, I don't know why you'd carry food in an interceptor since you're mostly flying it to shoot at things. But nonetheless, two days worth is the answer. Well done. Well, they didn't say what kind of food, you know, it's like a <laughs> couple candy bars and a, you, you know, got my cheese whiz boy. It's a, yeah. Wookie <laughs> snack. And I don't know. Oh, gosh. Or whatever it is that Luke had on Dagobah. I, I always found it fascinating when he half would break a, half open. A, half a fricasseed womp rat, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Well, when, when he would break open the uh, the survival kit that he had in the X-Wing, and it looked like, you know, like a dog biscuit. <laughs> was, oh, yeah. It was just like, oh, good Chances Lord. Chances are. It, actually, you know what it was? It was probably like a scone from uh, from catering, because that mm-hmm. was all, or like a biscuit from from catering, because yeah. they, they did film it in, in merry old England. So Not there a was, <laughs> oh no, it wasn't anything as tasty as a nutter butter. Not not even close. All right, number five. So Uncle Todd is four for four. Man they call Tim is four for or sorry, three no, for four. Three for four. There so we go. Here we go. Already now the Chicago math trying to oh, come in here. Just, just settle down over there. All right, here yeah, we go. Number yeah, five. Yeah. Number five. How did the Emperor say that Luke Skywalker, who had grown strong, could be turned to the dark side of the force? A. The Emperor could turn him to the dark side. B, Darth Vader could turn him to the dark side. C, he would be easily turned to the dark side. Or D, only the Emperor and Darth Vader together could turn him to the dark side. I don't remember the Emperor saying anything like that. This was in the movie. (sighs) Crap. I freaking hate this segment. Um... (laughs) But you do it so well. That's why, because now I'm starting to get invested. You pulled me into it, and that's why I hate it. <laughs> oh, dear. Damn you. Um, I'm going to go with uh, he could be easily, or, well, no. I'm going to go with the Emperor says that he only he can turn him to the dark side. Okay. Unfortunately, oh, and I, I picked D, and that is the correct answer, that it was oh, together the oh, Emperor and Darth yes. Vader would turn him to the dark side. Shockingly, getting the right answer there and managing to pull even. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. You did well. So uh, overall score is now uh, 30 to 25, so still five points back. But you'll catch mm. him. You will. All right, enough of the red five. We move Thank along. God. We move along uh, to a timely article that came out, I think, uh, a day after we recorded with uh, Jimmy Dice. Uh, That's doing right. We Star almost Trek had to go break. back and, and do an addendum to our, 
to our show. I know he's a weird like, thing. Like, oh my gosh, we can, we're actually like timely. Wait, oh, Uncle hey, Todd. Quick. Uncle Todd sends me this, and I'm like, oh, it's like there was a tremor in the force. Oh wait, wrong franchise. But yeah. nonetheless, uh, Hollywood Reporter uh, coming out with an article that Paramount Star Trek sequel uh, has been uh, announced. Uh, so a fourth movie is in the offing but the comical part of the article is that apparently none of the talent that was going to be involved in it has been made aware of this so yeah. apparently apparently now they're having conversations with them so. which is rather interesting it, it you would think that's kind of a key oh, part you know my gosh it's like let's announce this new uh, star trek vehicle and you know we are we won't talk to the people we need to play the role so yeah i mean details details i mean i guess they're working if I remember right, there Chris Pine is the first domino that needs to fall. They've been talking. They started yes. talking with him. Yes, but the the rest of the cast was blissfully unaware of this. Yep. Like, oh, I'm going to be in another Star Trek movie. Really? Yeah, don't say. And I mean, it's not even like they're saying like, oh, well, we want to do another one. They said we're doing it, and it's going to come out in like what they say, like 2023, 2024. It's it's not that far off when you consider how long it takes to do special effects. Yeah, shooting all of that, like. It's a pretty quick timeline, and to have not talked to like anyone. Yeah, yeah, this is kind of remarkable. Interesting approach. Uh, Yeah, the hope is to begin filming uh, this fall with the movie coming out uh, as a December, basically a Christmas release in 2023. Um, Damn, probably following the footsteps of of Star Wars and uh, you know Marvel releases, you know, happening around that time. So. So yeah, which is, so which means uh, they but, must have a script, right? They've got to have a script already. I believe uh, the script is still being worked on, according to sources. Uh, there okay, is no so green. Oh wait, there is no green light or budget in place. In fact, the budget will now likely have to account for talent deals that may be supersized. Boy, this so is in about other words, as we're this talking is about, as well about done as the BSG Peacock series. I was just going there, <laughs> except it's even worse because now you've given away all of your leverage. <laughs> Like, okay, so you've already announced it. You obviously want to do it. You want it quick. And you don't even have the script yet or the budget set or a green yeah. light. Um, hmm. I want me $500 million. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, and that's just And that's just Carl Urban. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Oh boy! So yeah, we will have to see. Be interesting. We will have to see. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm looking for some other stats here. I mean, I for one welcome another. You know, Kelvin timelines. Well, I mean, honestly, that's the only one you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. Like you're not getting another TNG. We're not going to get a Deep Space Nine movie at this point, no. or any of that. So I mean, I'm I'm all for it. I I like I've I've said this in the last episode. I really enjoyed those movies, and I think the reason I enjoyed them is because, you know, and I know there's a lot of like Star Trek purists who don't. And who who are just like, oh, they turn they start they made them more like Star Wars. I'm like, oh, you mean they actually like made believable action and kind of like rode the line between giving you some sci-fi plus some action to like keep you engaged. Wow. Oh, horrible. Um, but I really enjoyed them. I think I thought they were fun movies. They not without flaws. Yeah. But I thought they were, I thought they were good movies. And and I I really enjoyed the the casting. I I, I literally had no problems with any of the cast choices in those in those movies i thought i thought all of them were 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 either perfect for the part 
or made the part enough their own that it was like, oh, well, that's a that's a great direction to take that character. Yeah. And just it, it worked. It all worked for me. Yeah, uh, I, I was just perusing the article as you were talking. Um, this is interesting. The studio had three Star Trek features in development, including ideas from Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. and Noah Hawley that would follow different crews and timelines. Um, as the then motion picture group president Emma Watts took account of the studio slate, Holly's Star Trek was nixed. Tarantino's never materialized. Um, boy, that that would have been a trip. A Tarantino Star Trek flick? Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sign yeah, me think, up for that. I think that could have worked in the same way that uh, Star Wars Rogue One could have worked. or Yes. Or even... In in different circumstances, the the Star Wars solo sort of movie, but honestly, like I think that, and here's here's something that'll probably never happen. But Quentin Tarantino's Star Wars idea might work really well as like a show on Paramount Plus. Yeah, because if you if you tell Tarantino like you know what. We want you to kind of do you like we want like either a revenge movie or we want like a, a Star Wars crime movie or or something like that. Yeah. And you know what? You don't have to have Kirk or her. Or any, I mean, you can. I mean, I will throw someone in there and then just say, oh, it's from whatever. But right. Just go nuts. Yeah. That could be really interesting. Yeah. I don't think it'll happen because I think that that's just, you know, that was something that Tarantino said and probably just said off the cuff because Tarantino says so much because he talks like even three times as much as I do, which is an absurd amount. But I, I still and then just people like, oh, my gosh, Tarantino is going to make a Star Trek movie, which was never going to happen. But I it would do it. Would, I would go for that. Yeah, I would totally go for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we shall see. Uh, we will we'll keep our ear to the ground and see what sort of announcements come on this one, because, uh, yeah, it'll be good to see. <laughs> What's how how negotiations go with the cast now that you've committed to this? Yes, yeah. I don't think you really understand how negotiations work. Oh, I don't think you think what this. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think of that Princess Bride quote. I I don't think it means what you think it means or something. Like yeah. That. Well, I was thinking of uh, I was thinking of Harvey Keitel's character at the end of National Treasure. Oh yes, when he's like, you can have this, you can have this, and you can have this. You really don't know how negotiations work. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> Which I oh man Harvey Keitel is so good you know that Harvey Keitel was so happy to be in that movie because he's like oh, yeah. I'm on I have like what three days of shooting and you're still probably going to pay me a buttload of money uh huh sure sign uh-huh. me up yeah uh all right moving on from the Star Trek franchise to Marvel uh mm-hmm. we're a bit uh, we're a few weeks removed from this but uh, we we had to keep things tight and uh, focused last week because we had a lot of content to get through. I love how you're saying tight and focused in an episode that was almost two and a half hours long. That's, yeah, I know. Uh, it's well, a bit rich, but I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> Just imagine if we hadn't done it, how long it would have been. It's very true. Now that, now that you mentioned that, that, that did occur to me. <laughs> but Doctor Strange uh, in the Multiverse of Madness, a, a trailer was, was uh, published during oh, yes. uh, the Super Bowl event and uh it it was it was quite a trip my friend it was quite a trip just wanted to throw you know just throw it out there some some thoughts some reactions to it uh is it getting you excited for the film is it you know making you feel like ah no i don't want to watch this oh no i'm i'm all in i mean i I, i'm all in on this i i really i have appreciated the doctor strange character and kind of the the 
it was sort of like, oh my gosh, he's almost snarkier than Tony Stark, which was is an achievement in and of itself. Yeah, and uh, is is an interesting character, uh, just in general. This it looks like it is going to be bat spit insane, and I am totally there for it. Um, the the idea that um, you have Strange getting arrested, you have uh, what's his Mordo coming back, yeah, yeah, and and then we get. You know, that scene where you're like, well, wait a minute. Those robots look like Ultron bots. Mm-hmm. And, oh, wait a minute. Then you see like you see like <laughs> those chairs up there. I'm like, are we getting like the Cylon Final Five? Like, I, I Yes, I thought of that when I saw that. It's like, Chief? <laughs> Chief, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> Saul? <laughs> 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 Which, I mean, that, that would be kind of awesome. Like, they, that would just be a... Someone needs to do that cut of that trailer to all of a sudden just put put Saul tire in there. Like, That's oh right. my gosh. Anyways, but then we get the big reveal mm. with Sir Patrick Stewart. Number one, engage. Dropping in the, maybe we should tell him the truth. I mean, oh my gosh, I was... <laughs> I I damn near lost it, and that and that's oh. a trailer that already was like you know you already saw Wanda, you kind of got the setup for that. You saw Wanda back in Westview, and that whole like you know you do this and I'm a hero, you're a hero, and I do this and I'm a villain. Yeah. I don't think that's fair. And just the way she said it, I'm like, oh boy, mm-hmm. stuff's about to go down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> stuff's about to go down when Wanda gives you that kind of level of like. That's that's almost like when your wife is like, you know, you ask her, like, how are, are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Or, it's like, oh, dear God. Hide the or knives. Were we seeing or, a Wanda variant? I don't think so, because if I remember right, I mean, it could be. I don't know, but because uh, I just saw stuff on the Internet. But apparently I I thought I remembered someone writing that Wanda is one of the is like one of a handful of characters that there are no variants of. Oh, for some reason, like it's just, okay. but I don't know. I, maybe there is, I thought, but I thought I remember catching that. I mean, uh, granted my, my brain is so full of trivia and, and, you know, like cobwebs and stuff that I, I, I might've just made that up quite honestly. Bourbon bottles. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Usually just the caps. Um, <laughs> but, nice. uh, but, oh no, I saw that. It was exciting. It's, it looks just crazy. Like we get a couple of different Dr. Stranges and now, now we're, I mean, what's going to be really great about this is it has me excited, not just for the movie. This has me excited for our, our real or jabroni that we're going to do leading up to that because it's like everything is on the table. With oh this. my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say that that's going to be rumors, insane. We, we've got rumors of a Tom Cruise, Tony Stark. Uh-huh. We've got, I mean, this is, there is just so we're going to have to really work to try and like, bring this down to a manageable number of rumors honestly i don't think we're going to be able to do 25 honestly it, like when 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 we did book of boba fett it was very challenging to do 25 given you know the number of just just on the basis of who could show up yeah but the I thing mean? is it didn't help us at all Cobb i don't think, if, I don't I, think I'm still kicking more, myself over that that was like low hanging fruit right there yeah but it it is and it isn't i mean yeah. I don't. I don't think it's going to help us at all. It's not going to help our percentages. Better. Well, I'm not going to argue that. I mean, you totally could have done better. <laughs> but I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't need. I don't think we need to expand it to more than that. Oh yes. But yeah, I thought. I, I thought it looked great. What do you think, sir? Yeah. No. It. It got me really excited for it. I'm. 
you know, I'm, I'm really curious and, you know, this is again, you know, kind of pointing to your, your statement on the real and jabroni. Like I, I'm really curious if the movie is going to address anything with Kang or not, or anything at least that happened at the end of Loki. Um, because, you know, we know as the audience that the events at the end of Loki are what essentially are kicking you know, with the man who, who remains having been killed, uh, is now leading to things splintering off. And so, um, as far as we've seen, uh, you know, again, our, our crack team here at free range idiocy scouring the interwebs for rumors. Um, there is no mention of, of Jonathan. Um, Oh, I'm forgetting his name. Not <laughs> Jonathan. I'm not the uh, only one. Isn't it majors? Uh, dang majors thank you uh you know is not rumored to be in this movie he is rumored to be in the new uh, in, in the next ant-man movie so well, i think he's been confirmed for the next ant-man it's yeah. not a rumor like it's confirmed he's in that yeah so you know i'm, I'm kind of curious how this all kind of interweaves with those events um but the the sliver they showed us was very very interesting and definitely has me excited uh it was great to see Strange Supreme, um, you know, in yeah. the flesh, not just as a, a cartoon or animated, you know, character from What If, um, but to see uh, what I believe is to be that. So, I, I mean, yeah, there, there's we, we may have a, a, a bevy of variants that are going to be thrown at us as, you know, for entertainment purposes, but also for purposes of advancing the story. Mm, and, actually, uh, you know, now, now that you mention What If, mm-hmm. do you think we're going to get the Watcher? It could happen for the people. It would be interesting. <laughs> I had to bring back Mario Bean. If only well, thank you. Moment. Appreciate that. <sighs> yeah. So um, that's like the equivalent of, of of Undertaker when he'd go up on the top rope and kill <laughs> out old school. That's, old school. <laughs> that's your thing right there. Mario Bean. Oh, my gosh. Um, what was, uh, you had mentioned to me in a, in a texting fit that we had over this whole thing. Uh, were you thinking this might be the, the unveiling or debut of what is called the Illuminati, I believe is what you refer oh, to? Oh, definitely. This? That's, yeah. that's going to be those, that's going to be those chairs. That's who strange is getting kind of quote unquote arrested by and brought okay. in front of. And, and this kind of multiverse version of the Illuminati. The interesting thing is who that's going to be and whether yeah. we will, it's going to be uh, cast as people who will then show up in later movies or if these are one offs because yeah. it opens a possibility of like, hey, this is just a, a guy who or a character who is this person in this universe and then we never see them again. So that's where you've got yeah. speculation of, you know, I mean, you got Patrick Stewart confirmed, even though. I don't think anybody is really expecting Patrick Stewart to be Professor X in the next phases of Marvel movies, just because, I mean, he really wasn't interested in reprising that role after Logan. Like he felt like that was a, obviously they've talked him back into it and be like, the way I think that they might've done that is like, Hey, this isn't going to infringe on what you're doing. This is a totally different character and your character in that universe. Yes, is dead. And, you right. know, this is this isn't going to be a thing going forward, which if they do that, I'm fine. I, I would I would it would be great to see Professor X uh, as you know Patrick Stewart's Professor X one more time. And then if they went back and they like threw a bunch of money at, at James McAvoy, I'd be happy with that because I, I enjoyed his take on Professor X as well. Yeah. Um, but then you so you 
the Illuminati is like kind of this group and they've got a bunch of different cats who are kind of part of it. Um, but you've already got like Professor X, you got Reed Richards, you got Black Panther. Um, I forget who else I mentioned in there. Um, but you've got a bunch of these characters who are all kind of either rumored to be showing up in, in new movies or characters that you would, you know, have been in existence. I mean, I don't know if you'd have Black Panther. Um, yeah. because obviously it would be kind of, well, it does give you a chance to actually, it would give you a chance to actually try out another actor as Black Panther, which is, it seems it's weird to say, but there's actually been a groundswell of support for recasting T'Challa. Yeah. Which I didn't, I didn't anticipate. And I, I kind of, I'm kind of coming around to that now. Like it, it, it does seem a shame to lose that character, you know, and, and what he stood for that. Cause that character did have this outsized, uh, you know, effect on people and, and reach. So I, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad I'm not the one who has to make the decision. That's all I have to say. Cause it would be yeah. really tough for me, but there's a, they talked about John Krasinski being Reed Richards because there's been this idea of, of him and, uh, Oh, what's his, uh, Emma Blunt. Is that, is that her name? Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know why I'm with Emma. Yeah. Like, like she's my buddy. Yeah. Emma. Yeah. <laughs> no, Emily Blunt, uh, being, uh, miss, you know, Mr. and Mrs. You know Sue Storm and Reed Richards in a Fantastic Four movie, and I'm like, I'm totally on board with that. I don't think it'll happen, but you never know. Uh, but they've talked about maybe he would he would do that, and then he would you that would be kind of him fulfilling that because I think he's mentioned before like he would be down to do to playing Mr. Fantastic, and oh, uh, but they've talked about that being kind of a one off, and then it would be recast for the you know the Fantastic Four movie that's coming up or whatever. But it is, it's very interesting. Like, and that is the thing. Like that that's definitely the Illuminati. If it's not, I mean, that's like one of the biggest swerves that you can possibly throw in a movie because it's it's totally setting it up. Yeah. Yeah. So overall, oh, and, and and Tony Stark is part of the Illuminati in the comics too. So that ah. that does bring up an interesting point of when you do you bring in somebody else as a different multiverse Tony Stark, which is mm-hmm. kind of one of those things of like, hey, yeah, and here's we're gonna have Tom Cruise play him. I'm like, uh, uh, what? I mean, whatever. I'd- yeah, I, you know, in Marvel we trust, so they, yeah. they, they, they have yet to cause us concern, and and I'm sure they will have a, a, a phenomenal plan, you know, to pull this off and have it be sane, structured, and direct in terms of what it's, you know, the story it's telling, even though it looks like everything is falling apart in the trailer, so. <laughs> Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> so the funny thing is like when I, when I heard, I, I've seen the title out before written out, but I, when I heard it, I always heard it as Dr. Strange and the multiverse mm-hmm. of madness. Mm-hmm. I did not see it as Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness for mm-hmm. whatever reason. And that is really kind of changed my perception of the movie. Like this is going to be really weird and could possibly go really dark and, and be really just odd, you yeah. know? So uh, I'm I'm really excited for this movie. As am I. As am I. And finally, uh, just because it is uh, it, it was news that came out last week uh, on on the Twitter, and uh, is a topic that we have discussed uh, going back uh, probably close to two months. Um, we did a, an entire episode talking about uh, the show and another life, or sorry, the show another life. I don't know why I said and another life because I kept on doing that when we were doing the show. And oh, I like and another thank you thing for and that, another life, Uncle Todd. And you're welcome. I'm here to help. If I can uh, quote the great Katie Sackoff, who tweeted this week. 
I'd like to thank everyone, uh, thank every one single person who watched and supported Another Life on uh, Netflix. To our crew and cast, thank you for always working so hard and being prepared. I wish we could do more seasons, but sadly, it's just not in the cards. See you on the next adventure. Love, Nico. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we lift our glasses here at Free Range ADC to toast uh, Katie Sackoff as Nico Breckenridge and her perpetually perspiring husband who... <laughs> For some reason, couldn't seem to get a shower in, apparently, <laughs> over two seasons. They're very sweaty. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, you know, we, we, we had some criticisms and, and we had some questions, but we we did uh, support and, and we did enjoy uh, what was a creative and different, you know, science fiction story, uh, taking mm-hmm. things in a direction that as we discussed, hadn't really, uh, you know, we hadn't seen in quite some time. And, and I, and I thought they did an appropriate job ending it in season two with what could be considered a, a really a true finale sort of ending. Um, but, uh, but we lift our glasses here at free range EDC and wish them well, uh, thanking them for the entertainment, for the content. And we look forward to seeing, uh, Bo-Katan, uh, whooping on someone in the, uh, Bo-Katan series that will hopefully be coming out at some point in the near future. Yeah, cheer, cheer here, here, cheer, cheer. I don't know, here, here, cheers, all that stuff, and another life. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I I agree. They did a very good job. I and I think there was an inkling of maybe this would be the this yeah. could be it, and they because yeah. they did a really nice job of tying it all up in a bow mm-hmm. at the end of this season, while also leaving the door open for you know what could come next. And uh, I got to be honest, when I finished up the second season, I'm like, I don't know how, where you go from there, Yeah, you know, yeah. in terms of what the next adventure would be and then how you kind of tie it into everything. So you'd, you'd it, have to create a new antagonist. You'd have to, you know, kind of launch into a different story. Yeah. However, we, we, we had Ellen Ty, you know, come back in, uh, in, in uh, Kate Vernon, come, come back in season two. James Callis could have been season three. <laughs> He could have been the antagonist. He could have been the antagonist. No more Mr. Nice Guys. Just a just a very smarmy alien that just sits there and smokes with a cocktail in one hand. <laughs> just We could solve all our problems, right? Isn't yeah. that what Aaron Douglas said? <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh Yeah. It's it's too bad, but at the same time I totally understand. And and yeah. let's be honest, Netflix cancels shows left, right, and center. <laughs> almost immediately following the second season like that is kind of the joke like netflix shows don't make it more than two or three seasons and then it's like that they're done which is kind of funny when you consider that you know it's it's not even like ratings Mm -hmm. sort of thing it's it's just views and it how weird that that whole like the whole streaming world is now It, it is kind of odd um, in some yeah. ways, I almost wish that Netflix would kind of cut down on some of the, the the sheer volume of shows that they're doing and maybe focus on a few of them and let them run a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, I, no one has ever asked me to be the CEO or the creative director for Netflix and probably for a damn good reason. Yeah. So I I will just say uh, a fair thee well to Another Life and Nico Breckenridge. Um, like you said, there were problems, but it was an, it was a fun ride. It so, was. It was, absolutely. Uh, you know, luckily, uh, I, I think Katie Sackhoff is, uh, has, has plenty of work ahead of her. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's always nice to, to hmm, be part think? of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> that kind of helps. It's kind of funny. Well, I mean, and she's also got an, a, a new baby. 
Yeah. Um, and and uh, apparently is is working on something right now. Something that either she cut her hair extraordinarily short for, or she just decided to do that anyways. Um, and it's kind of funny because it was like, hey, new baby, no hair, and like I'm I'm working on a new thing. I'm like, wow, okay, sweet. I mean, as far as like things to do, like damn, that's a busy week right there. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> yep. But yes, anyway. Yes, indeed. And that, my friend, on that sad but still, as we said, entertaining note, is The Week in Geek. Well, thank you once again, sir, for all of your interweb scouring in the entire Week in Geek, except for the Red 5 trivia, uh, <laughs> in which case, blowed out your bunghole. Um, and oh, well, thank you. <laughs> we will now be, be moving Lord. on. To something productive, which is All right. uh, a multi-show arc of BSG shows. Now, the the way that we are working this, uh, so there, are, I know there's a lot of people who are out there who are BSG fans, and they're like, "There's way more than 64 shows," and you are correct. I don't know why I just sounded like Kermit the Frog there. Maybe actually, Kermit's probably a very big BSG fan. I'm guessing. I think uh, so. So the way that we managed to tame this down to work all of this into a cohesive deal uh, is that we've got uh, we took all of the two part episodes and all of those are now combined into one. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, Cobol's last gleaming part one and part two counts as one entry, Mm -hmm. which kind of seems a little unfair in some ways because you get twice the story. But considering how kind of loads them up. Well, but the funny thing is, we'll get to one of these shows that we're dealing with in this bracket that you and I were both like, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize how much stuff they fit into this one single episode, like yeah. how many different story threads. And like there's like plot A, plot B, plot C, plot D, plot B. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there's like, like, there's like there's a plot K over here that I wasn't even aware of mm-hmm. going on in the background. Um, but we figured that was a way to kind of narrow it down. And then we uh, we also excluded the miniseries and the finale because it's really unfair to try and compare those with the rest of the episodes. Uh, you know, they're just very two very different animals. And you Uncle know? Todd and I probably would have just landed on Daybreak as the greatest of all time. So <laughs> more than likely, more <laughs> so, than likely. So we were trying to trying to keep this like, you know, on the up and up without, you know, try, try, trying to take a little bit of the bias out of it, I suppose. Yeah. And so what we wound up with there then is 65 episodes um, and, and as you'll also, um, many BSG fans will know, not an equal number of episodes in each season. So it's not even like you can have each region is a season and then we get the best show from each season and then those all face off in, in the finals. We couldn't do that. So what we did uh, was we, we took all of the episodes and by we, I mean, I uh, took all the episodes and fed them into the, the free range EDC randomizer 8,000 and pulled these out and just did it completely just random. So we have matchups of, of season one shows going up against season three, season two going against season four. Sometimes you got a, a show from the same season going up, up against each other, which is interesting how some of these matchups just kind of how, how they found themselves and how some of these mm. different regions uh, lent themselves to being kind of a thing. Uh, yeah. For instance, the, the 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 first region that we're working on is kind of like the the two parter region. Because it has, uh, let me see here, it's one, two, three, four, uh, two-parters, which the I looked at the other brackets, I'm like, there's only one other two-parter, I yeah. think, in, in the other three. 
So it's it's kind of odd how that worked out. So we had 65 team, uh, 65 teams, 65 shows. So there will be in uh, our third show, there will be a play-in game uh, <laughs> so that we can, we can determine how the final bracket for that one. They got to play backgammon. <laughs> yeah. No, it's going to be like it's going to be in that unfinished business episode. We're going to put them in the boxing ring. They're just going to beat the crap out of each other. Ah, there we go. You know, we're, we go. we're going to keep it real. We got to put the dog tags in the in the box first, though. Exactly. That's the rule. Exactly. So this is going to be kind of interesting. Uh, we're going to go through these and uh, we're we're going to just kind of I, I think both of us had the very same uh, sort of methodology on this. Mm-hmm. I, I did actually think, well, maybe I'll go back and I'll rewatch all these episodes in. <laughs> in the bracket, like watch them back to back completely out of order and out of context to judge them, uh, one against each other. And I'm like, I ain't got time. I just no, don't. no, I don't. So we I'm, both kind of read through descriptions and, and picked our, our faves here. I'm, I'm in the middle of a rewatch myself right now and I'm struggling to get through season two just from a time perspective. Um, but as I did share with uncle Todd, having just watched season one all the way through, I'm like, man, it's it, it's a good idea that we mix it up because the those season one episodes are so good, <laughs> you know, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like, like I I don't foresee it being season one, you know, dominating all the 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 regions, but they are so good, and it's it, and it's good to do different seasons against one another because I think it makes you really think about what what makes these episodes really good, and, mm-hmm. and and what what is it that puts it over the edge? I think we're gonna have a fair number of of those sort of discussion points as we go through these matchups. Yes, indeed. Actually, I'm just going to make one little note here cuz I you just got me you just got me thinking about what shows are going to kind of make it out of the the bracket for us each and so I just wanted to note down which uh, seasons those came from cuz I All think right. that could be interesting fodder for later on. I believe so. So, here we go. We've got eight matchups, and uh, in this first bracket, which uh, region one, I guess we'll just call this the uh, the Caprica bracket. Why not? Hey, there we go. I mean, there's, they'll totally there's, go away. There's later twelve on. colonies. Why not? Well, yeah. There's only four. There's only four brackets. I mean, four regions. So what? The, the other eight just yeah go. Yeah, what the heck with you? <laughs> I never liked PyCon, anyways. <laughs> Forget them. Anyway. Um, Anyways, so here we start off our first matchup of round one, which is Cobal's Last Gleaming, part one and two, mm-hmm. up against, uh, which is from season one, up against Rapture from season three. So this will be uh, this will be kind of interesting. So Cobal's Last Gleaming, see, uh, part one and two, uh, the synopsis reads thusly, the discovery of the lost birthplace of humanity causes a split between Rosalind and Adama. The political crisis between Rosalind and Adama forces Apollo to make a difficult decision as Starbuck returns to Caprica on a mission for Rosalind. And then for Rapture from season three, the human Cylon standoff over the mysterious Eye of Jupiter has reached a breaking point. On the algae planet, Deanna, Baltar, Brother Cavill, and a team of centurions prepare to assault the Temple of Five, where the eye supposedly lies his, lies hidden. Meanwhile, Athena takes action to retrieve her daughter, Hera. Now, the funny thing is, so I went with the short descriptions on these. Yeah. I'm just realizing again, like how like little, how like very surface level these are and how understated they are. Because there was a lot more going on in Rapture that I remember. And there's a lot more going on in Cobalt's Last Gleaming. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but kind of interesting in that we have, again, these are all random. Like, I, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm actually being serious about this. For once on this podcast, I am being serious. These are totally random picks. But to, but to have two 
quote unquote prophetic Starbuck episodes because she's she is kind of like being part of that that whole prophecy deal is kind of interesting because you're talking about the eye of Jupiter, which you know you have you wind up finding out Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Starbuck was drawing on her apartment wall, you know, way before ever seeing it, and then you have her returning on Rosalind's orders to Caprica to go mm-hmm. and get the the uh, the arrow. Yep. It's just kind of funny how those two matched up. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. What have you got in this one, sir? Well, um, you know, I, I tried to summarize each of these, you know, and, and, and do my own little um, synopsis to just kind of, you know, capture like at least the the, the finer points of, of why I went with one versus the other. Um, and like you said, Rapture is is not. You know this. This first when when I sat down to evaluate these, and I'm reading through their their plot descriptions in, in Wikipedia. I texted Uncle Todd and I said, "This is going to be painful because, like, <laughs> I remember. You know, I, I've I've watched this entire series twice now, so I'm I'm remembering things as I'm reading these synopses, and and these episodes are just all so good. You know, so mm-hmm. it is very hard to have to make a decision where you say I'm going to go forward with one and leave one behind. Um, because there, there are very good qualities to them. Mm-hmm. The thing that, I, I mean, I'll, I'll just cut to the chase and say the the thing that is putting Cobal's last gleaming over the edge for me to advance it into the next round really comes down to the shock of the end of it where Adama gets shot twice. Yes. Um, that event I think carries, you know, not, not to not to diminish what happened in you know as far as Rapture and and what happens with Eye of Jupiter because that is the, you know, we don't as the audience see the final five, but the final five is revealed to Deanna Beers, and so she now understands who they are, but it also results in her being boxed, so she's basically done mm. at this point. Um, but to me, when I compare those two events, I don't feel like what happens in Rapture holds up to the enormity of you know the, uh, the enormity of of commander adama being essentially shot and we don't you know this was the this was the season one cliffhanger so we don't know if he's dying or if he's going mm-hmm. to you know make it through or not as a character and he's been kind of you know he and Rosalind have been kind of the two planks onto which you know the fleet have been able to kind of steady themselves on and when one of them gets knocked out now where does that leave the fleet? And we see what happens in the beginning of season two. So I just kind of felt like that event and and everything kind of leading up to it, you know, the, the, you know, the, uh, not fission isn't the right word. The fracture that happens between mm. Adama and Rosalind, where Rosalind is starting to become more of a religious minded individual following prophecy fo- because she knows that Adama, I mean, all of this hinges on Adama's lie right? Mm-hmm. Adama's lie of, we know where Earth is. He doesn't know where Earth is. So now mm-hmm. Rosalind's actually trying to do what she feels is the most concrete thing to make this happen, because otherwise they're just roaming around. Um, and so that's where the fracture happens. And then there's, you know, Lee's choice to go against his father and Ty, you know, and, and you know, putting the gun to Ty's head and just all, just everything leading up to it. it it's just this slow build up mm-hmm. to a a major event that really kind of shakes the foundation of what the fleet can do moving forward. So to me, I went with Cobal's last gleaming because I just felt it just carried more emotional weight 
Whereas with Rapture, you know, there was drama with Apollo, D, Starbuck, and Anders, and there was all the action with Tyrrell and Deanna and the Eye of Jupiter. But it just weight wise, it just didn't hold the same for me. Um, so that's where I went. Mm. Well, and it's I, and I agree. I, I also went with Cobalt's Last Gleaming, and for for similar reasons to you, because it, both of these shows really do have great setup and great import for what goes next. You know, and and a lot of times when I was looking at these, like that is kind of what I had to base it on. Like, okay, what had the biggest effect? Mm. Because sometimes I'm like, I just I really liked both of these episodes. What do ah? And then the determining factor was okay. Well, what had the biggest impact on the story going forward? And really, like you said, the the Adama getting shot was such a moment because I I don't know I I didn't did not see that coming. Yeah, it was one of the biggest shocks in the show, and and really sets up you know the next season and, and kind of just how it's like, well, how can things get any worse? You know what right. I mean? Like how can right. things possibly get worse than they are right now? Oh, we're going to get rid of like the one, the kind of the sane guy and we're going to hand it over to the Alki second in command. Mm. Well, I guess we're going to see how things get worse now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, because, and, and, oh, and, and, and who also has the harpy wife who is like the worst possible influence on a person. Oh yeah. Ever. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, now I know how this can all go further into the crapper. I know. Let's put him in charge. And 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 it's so masterfully done because it's in the face of a major victory. This is the first time yeah. we've seen them. You mm-hmm. know, they, they have taken out a base star, and we have not seen that happen at, at, at all during season one. Like, they have shown no ability to – or I shouldn't say no ability, but no um, – they haven't been able to make a major victory. Like all their yeah. victories are minor. They have not been able to actually off go on the offense. It, it, yeah, that's where I, that's what I wasn't articulating well. It's it's it, it's not that they didn't have the ability because they they did what they did at the Tillium Mines. You know, they 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 carried out an op. Yeah, they took true. Them out, true. They took over the Tillium fields and and you know found their fuel. So they you know they they've shown they're capable of going on the offense, but to go after something like this big and and to make an impact that way was was just something that hadn't happened. Mm-hmm. And so now you have Sharon do this. Well now of course because Sharon's done this, now you know this doesn't mean everyone knows she's a Cylon right away, but it does open the door now to what the heck, you know, why is Boomer doing this? You know, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. we know what happens in season 2 and how that carries forward. But but yeah, so so to your point, I you know, I I think it's it's so masterfully done because they they build you up with this major victory and in the face of it they just hit you in the gut with with Adama, you know, basically getting taken out. Yeah. And and also do it in a way where it also is going to influence character. Mm-hmm. Because this ended up setting up even more friction between Apollo and Ty. Because then, I mean, as this is happening, Apollo gets sent to the oh no, he does that happens at the beginning of season two. But still as a as an as the ap- immediate after effect of this, Apollo gets sent to the brig. Like his dad just got shot and he gets uh, Ty sends him to the brig. Because yeah. Ty's just like going on instinct at that point, but it also influences Adama going forward. Yeah, because yeah. it's not like he loved Cylons before <laughs> for certain, but now I mean, now he's really got an axe to grind. So it really adds this undercurrent to everything. Yeah. So that by the time he comes around in like season four and he's working with the Cylons, now it it, it it just adds this layer that you're like, I don't know, even though he's working with them, you're still like, he's still remembering like, yeah. yeah and, and that one right there shot me. Yeah. Like 
not just shot me in battle as an indiscriminate thing. Like I knew her and she knew me and like pointed right at me and boom. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, it's it's not like Rapture is a light episode. Rapture has got a lot to do with going things going forward too, like the whole yeah. Eye of Jupiter, the final five, you know, setting up like the, it gives them the direction to to Earth and like, all of this stuff is happening. And and it has and Apollo's own. relationship falling apart. Oh my gosh! Andrews yeah, the, Starbuck. You know, I mean, it's, oh, it's, it's freaking loaded. painful, dude. Oh it's yeah, loaded. there's a lot. I mean, it was a tough decision, but honestly, like Cobal's last gleaming does get the nod. Yeah, like you say, because I mean, who who saw that coming? Who saw Adama getting shot? Yep, nobody. All right, so our next matchup is a measure of salvation from season three and collaborators from season three. So uh, measure of salvation with the discovery of a dying Cylon base star, Adama and Rosalind debate the morality of deploying a biological weapon against the Cylons with the intention of eradicating them. And in collaborators, the circle, a secret tribunal on board Galactica decides the fate of colonials who collaborated with the Cylons during the occupation of new Caprica, which my takeaway from this was that here's two episodes with very big, but different issues. I mean, you are literally talking about genocide and then you're talking about like justice and what actually is justice. Yeah. And oh my gosh, both of them kind of leave a bunch of questions unanswered and rightfully so, I think. Yeah. Yep. So uh, which one did you, did you decide to go with out of this one? Uh, for, for this pairing, um, I ended up going with collaborators. Um, and, you know, as, as you set it up, it, 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 you know, these are two stories of morality based decisions that really are kind of showing the character of the characters themselves. Mm. Um, they have an opportunity to, in, in a measure of salvation, they have an opportunity to use a virus as a means of basically taking down, I think, all of the Cylons, because in theory, when when they kill the Cylons in range of, of resurrection, then it will start to propagate across all of them and basically slowly just kind of wipe them all out. Mm -hmm. um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this was the episode where Adama makes the statement about, you know, it's not enough to survive. It's, it's about being worthy of survival or, or, or I don't know if it's this episode or another one, but I think that's another one, but, but I, there, but Oh, I, you know what it is? It's, it's resurrection ship. But, okay. um, with, with Kane, you know, the chess match between him and Kane mm. and, um, but that's a theme that comes up a lot is like, you know, yes, the Cylons wiped out our civilization and yes, we have this tool in front of us or this situation. Should we be leveraging it? You know, should mm. we be, be behaving in the same way that these, these beings treated us or should we mm -hmm. be better than that? Um, and that's kind of the constant flow through it. And with collaborators, it is a different sort of thing where you now have, you know, again, this, this sort of, you know, secret tribunal that's going through and basically, you know, airlocking or, or, you know, wh whatever to people who, you know, who, who basically sided with, you know, sided against them. And, it, you know, as these stories typically play out, it becomes a witch hunt and it becomes a, situation where they're not really trying to seek the truth and trying to go for justice, but trying to heal their own, you know, souls from, from whatever it is that they went through. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
and this one is, you know, exemplified in, in, you know, when, the, when they take Gaeta um, and finally come to the understanding that without him, mm-hmm. even though he was standing beside Baltar that entire time, without him, they, as the resistance, wouldn't have done any of what they did. Mm-hmm. And they were about to send him out the airlock. Yeah. And so I just felt like Collabor is just, you know, just that whole story and the emotion of it and 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 even the way like like I keep having to remind myself you know as I was reading these and and thinking about these episodes reminding myself this is a group of humans who are the last of their civilization and look at the you know look, look at what they're putting themselves through mm-hmm. putting people out the airlock killing people because they didn't follow what whatever you know the the conventional thinking was at, at the time of new caprica and that sort of thing so i just i felt emotionally it was just a stronger one um it's not to diminish you know again i go back to the whole thing it's not to diminish a measure of salvation this was another one that i went mm. back and forth on a few times um because they're both very emotional and very weighty decisions that that the crew had to make and, and, and that individuals had to make when, you know, faced with injustice or faced with an opportunity. And, and I felt like they both serviced their stories very well, but I just felt collaborators was more emotional. Yeah. It's, and the, and you're right. The, the idea of, of, you know, are we worthy to survive? It's right there in the pilot, like yeah. literally in the, in the very, the first half of the miniseries when Adama goes off script on his speech at the dedication of the museum, you know, and he's, you know, he, he says, we never asked why yeah. and, and does that whole thing. And you get Ty with, with like one of my favorite lines when he just sits down and Ty just kind of leans on him. You are one surprising son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like he's a guy who's known him for all those years. Right. And you know that he, he kind of like, you, you get that like Adama does his own thing and he steers his own course. Mm-hmm. But even Ty in that moment is like, all right, didn't see that coming. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> After all these years, and I still can't predict when you're going to swerve me like that. Nope. But Not the but the, uh, that idea, and it is a big question because it does raise the question of like here, these, you know, the this these creatures, the Cylons, they they wiped out humanity, indiscriminately killed billions of people, and and then are hunting down the thousands that are left, you know, right. ruthlessly. Right. And and. We are at the point now where we've we are post New Caprica. Hmm. So not only did they they hunt them down, but then they also kind of like put their boot down on them and 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 you know, you barely escape from them there. It's like dang. Yeah. Okay, we got a chance to take all of them out. But you still it's like you still can't feel comfortable with like, yeah, just kill them. Like they 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 put you in a place where you understand like the weight of that. Yeah. And that's right. a very unique thing to do in 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 television, in fiction, when you're just like, oh, it's good guy, bad guy. It's a very complex, not black and white, like very gray area. Right. And and they did a masterful job in that episode. And this one was tough for me because I, I wavered back and forth on this one a few times. I went with collaborators as well mm. because like you like you said, and it might just be because it's it's a it's not so much it's uh no, I don't want to say smaller, more, it's more personal. Yeah. And, and, and I hate to boil it down to one thing, but, but I think, th- like, I think, like I mentioned, I think 
when they took Gaeta and that whole exchange and finally it coming out, the, the, the realization of, of what role Gaeta played for them and how mm. they have been basically tormenting their own people. Uh, and, and, you know, just, the, just that in and of itself, I think is what I latch onto and, and I don't latch onto that story or, or elements of that story in the same way for a measure of salvation. So that's why I think I kind of went that way. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you see that, that very personal touch, like it's yeah. not, you know, not everybody is making decisions that are like, you know, going to end, <laughs> you know, all these people or these creatures or whatever, but you see the impact on each individual. Like you see the weight that it it has on Anders and why he finally quits. And they're like, well, let's get someone else who hates, you know, Cylons and these people, Starbuck. Right. You up for tossing a few people out an airwalk? And she's like, hell to the yes, I am. Let me. And then you see, and then, but then you get to the point where she is ready, ready she wants to get Gata out the airlock. Mm-hmm. Like she is like she's like, I'll I'll throw him in there, push the button myself, and do it and giggle. And then to then to like get right up to that moment and find out that she is actually the one who brings up the whole idea in in like in a way of like just kind of venting on him, the thing that then is what exonerates him. Yeah. And then just the inner the interplay there of like, and he's just like, I don't care. Like, go ahead, throw me out the airlock. You're not going to believe me anyway. Like, all of that there is just, it's such character building. And then it has effects going on because you can draw a straight line from here to when Gata is like, you know what? I think I'm going to be Tom Zarek's new pal. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. And then then you start going down some real rough road, you know I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then the, and then the whole idea of, like, Tom Zarek being the person who authorized all of that. Yeah. And that idea that in a way, it's it's almost like this is kind of like for Gaeta and Zarek. This is their final turn. There's, this is their final option before they they make the turn to what ultimately be is their end. Because yeah. I think that Tom Zarek, in, in some way, even though he, he's craving justice, but he's also kind of trying, he thinks this might be the thing that kind of endears him to Rosalind in a way. Yeah. Like, I did this for you. Right. And she's like, no, <laughs> this isn't this isn't right. Yeah. And, and, and then I think you, you just see where, where Gaeta and Zarek are at the end of this. And it's like, yep. And this is where we end up later on. Yeah. yeah. Crazy power, powerful episode, powerful episode. Yeah. And uh, uh, I had a thought pop in my head and it just popped out. Um, no, happens to me all the time, dude. It'll, it'll come back probably about 10 o'clock tonight. When you're talking about Gaeta and Zarek and the whole thing with Starbuck, um, gosh, what was it? It was, you know, I, I was thinking about the fact that oh I, I remember now like yes it's season three and and yes they're quite displaced from you know what the events of the miniseries but to your point about the character building and the relationships and things like that like this is when you start to see the mileage of the journey they've been on because mm-hmm. when i think you know and, and i and i'm saying this as someone who's watched you know season one very recently and i'm on season two now and to see how Starbuck and Gaeta and, and others kind of interact at, at this early stage of the story to this point where you see how the relationships are so tattered and damaged because of mm. misunderstanding or lack of forgiveness or whatever you want to call it. Um, 
you know, it, it just shows how like, like in a way those relationships falling apart shows how long this journey has, has been for, for the, for the crew. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, and you're seeing things happen that you never thought you would see or, or people break in a way that you never thought they would break because of how things started. So, yeah. Uh, well, and actually I should say this, there is one more bit. I mean, of course you have the whole th- interaction with Gaeta and Star- uh, Starbuck on the Demetrius which is really that's like the nail in the coffin for like Starbuck and Gata ever, ever having oh, yeah. any normalcy and interaction ever again. But it's already yeah. like, yeah, everyone, everyone is aging in dog years. Yeah. In yeah. this. And it's, it is insane. And and that's something that I think very few shows dare to do. They don't they don't dare to make some of their heroes look ugly, not like physically, but to make right. them character wise ugly. Yeah. You know, I think that happens a little bit more now in shows. Because I, I feel like over the past decade or so, like like television streaming has been been more likely to take a, a, a view of like long story arcs instead of it being more episodic. So I think there's a little bit more acceptance of like, oh, your heroes aren't as infallible and they don't have to be bright and shiny and, and back to their normal self every episode. Like they can kind of have some scars. Right. Right. But at the time this was happening, this was still was still a very unusual thing to happen. Yeah. Like just the fact that battle, you know, the, the Galactica is, I mean, it's never bright and shiny, <laughs> you know, from the miniseries on, but it never gets fixed. Yeah. Like it is, it, it is wearing every single, you know, uh, explosion and pockmark on this, on its outer skin. And, and that is just a metaphor for everybody else who's on the thing, you know, the characters themselves. All right, so both of us had collaborators, so we we are in agreement so far, which is mm-hmm. making for a terribly uninteresting bracket. However, I think that might change at some time in the future. Uh, going on to our third matchup, this is going to be Deadlock from season three and Home from part uh, Home part one and two from season one. So Deadlock is uh, the synopsis reads thusly: Galactica undergoes repairs using a Cylon substance that can help maintain the ship's structural integrity. With Boomer's help, Ellen Ty escapes Cavill's ship and reunites with the fleet, completing the gathering of the final five. Caprica Six miscarries Ty's child, ending the hope that Cylons can reproduce with their own kind. Wow, did that leave out a whole lot of rough road along the way. <laughs> Home part one and two is synopsized as, with Starbucks return, Rosalind, kind of interesting that there's a lot of returning in both of these. With Starbucks return, Rosalind begins her quest to find the tomb of Athena, while Adama struggles to replace crewmen lost to Rosalind's mutiny. Rosalind and her followers continue their search for the tomb of Athena on Cobol as Adama travels there to reunite the fleet. Mm. Oh boy, a lot going on in both of these. Uh-huh. Uh, which is interesting because... Uh, also, in a uh, in home, we get the death of Alosha, yes. uh, the the priest, yep. and it, it definitely is a, 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 a it is an emotional moment because again, she's the one who says that like, hey, you go back to Cobol, you you know, there's a debt and you pay it in blood, and it's her blood. Yep. The funny thing is, in Deadlock, that is the one where um, where uh, am I thinking of the right one here? You might be I thinking might not of the be. hub. I think I am. That's, Shoot, that, yeah. That's when Alosha is is yeah kind of called back in in yeah that's Rosalind's and that's our mind. next yeah that's our next matchup. So I was gonna yeah. I was gonna link that there. I came I I, I went with that one a little too soon. Let that's that one right. out of the holster. That's oh right. well. So what do you got in this matchup with a uh, Deadlock versus Home Part One and Two? 
Yeah, this is a case of what you kind of said in the intro that there are going to be matchups of a two-parter against a single episode where it's really unfair. And and mm-hmm. I think this is the first case we're seeing. Um, I, I don't believe that was the case with Cobal's Last Gleaming and Rapture. I think, like I said, it, it's the weight of the event more than it is the fact that it's a two-parter versus a, a, a single you know standalone episode. Mm-hmm. But I think with Home versus Deadlock... There, there's just so much good content in there that I think it outweighs what goes on in Deadlock. I think, you know, as we've talked about other episodes where, you know, Deadlock is a fine episode in and of itself. It, it is, you know, there's a lot of important things that take place in it. It is, you know, really kind of a, a, um, a milestone in some ways, because especially, uh, you know, I think it's toward the end where Rosalind and Nadama are walking you know, the deck and they're seeing Cylons and humans applying this, this material together Mm -hmm. onto, you know, the Galactica to basically, you know, help it retain its, its, you know, structural integrity and that sort of thing. And, 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 you know, again, you talk about where they've come in their journey, you know, they went from being annihilated by these beings to now they're all working together. You know, there's been a a Cylon civil war. There's been all this stuff that's happened that's kind of led them to this place and now they're walking and they're seeing what what probably they never thought they in, in a million years would have happened, you know, given mm-hmm. everything. So so not an insignificant episode, but home just carries a lot with it where you have, you know, the fleet is fracturing. Um, you have Rosalind and Zarek and and Apollo kind of teaming up to go to Cobol. Um, you have, you know, Adama trying to really, you know, put his boot down and, you know, a third of the fleet, you know, jumps with Rosalind. So now he feels like, you know, he, he doesn't have control the way he once did. Mm-hmm. Um, really, you know, one, one phenomenal scene is, is when he has D come in and he's kind of, you know, almost like, it, it, it's almost like a therapy session. He's kind of venting mm-hmm. about this rage he carries inside himself. And, you know, and, and the fact that, you know, what I really love in part one is, you know, D basically tells him, you let us down, you broke your promise, you mm. need to, you know, you need to see that promise through that you made to everyone. And yeah. the look on her face when he comes into the CIC and basically says, I'm putting the fleet back together, I'm putting our family back together, we're going. Yeah. Um, and, and, the, and the look, like, I love how, I forget her name, I think it's, Candace McClure. Yes. The way she emotes that, that just mm. with her face on a, he listened to me, B he listened to me and it led to a decision and C we're putting the band back together, you know, sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Was oh, just so, so brilliantly done. And then in part and she, two, and, and she is such an, I, I feel such an underrated part of the of the show i I thought she she her character arc and just the way that she she worked with because i mean let's face it like the big ensemble cast like you got to work with what you can get you know what i mean because you're not you're not one of the leads and even though there there was a time when you could argue when she was kind of like the the exo of the pegasus and, and apollo's wife and all that like she was kind of verging there but she was never like one of the leads of the show Right. But she always brought it like in every scene, like she was all you, you never disbelieved that she was not that character. Yeah. And, oh, and that, I think that's part is it's things like that. Like she was, she was one of the hearts of the show. Like she was, the, that's why like her end in the show was, to, I mean, still to this day, one of the, one of the, one of the character deaths that, that still 
kind of sits with me. Like I've I've not rewatched that show in a while, but I can tell you the first time I saw it, it messed me up for days. Like, and it's so weird to say like a fictional character dying, yeah. but it was like someone that you kind of lived with, and they were just it just happened. It was like oh, but yeah, she was she was amazing. She was amazing, and and I and kind of pulling out like that thing like you you get the feeling that. Adama in some small way, even though he had boys, he would have loved to have had a daughter. And that's why he kind of took the Starbuck, but that it wasn't just Starbuck who could, who could kind of tug on those heartstrings for him that D kind of had also worked his, worked her way in there as well. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, yeah. And the other part with home was just, you know, obviously when they get to the tomb of Athena and, and what they find and just the journey to get there was, was I thought well done. So, so there's just a lot of content in it. And I, and I just felt it was just, it, it just outweighs, you know, the events of deadlock from, from my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. I also went with home on this one and, uh, you know, deadlock is a very, it's a very interesting show. It's a very interesting episode and has a lot of stuff going on in it mm-hmm. that are, that is important. Because, I mean, you you have the final five reuniting. You have Ellen Ty showing that even though now she's like fully cognizant of I'm part of the final five and I was one of the one of the ones who kind of put together the Cylons and all this, she's still Ellen at heart and is just going to step into any situation and just not even throw gasoline on the fire. Like she just drops like a couple pounds worth of napalm into the fire. That's, that's Ellen Ty's MO, you know? And just to show back up, and granted, I mean, you know, Saul doesn't do himself any favor by, you know, just being like, hey, I'm so happy to see you. Let's go nip off to our little, you know, romantic love nest. And oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, I'm I'm Six's baby daddy. Um, did I tell you that before? I didn't tell you that. I it just slipped my mind, you know. Oh, whoops. Ambrosia. Whoops. And, uh, you yeah. know, yeah, uh, yeah, this is awkward, you know. Um, well, and then and, of course, and the title refers to the final five voting, right? Yeah, yeah. Because then you have, you have, you know, two that want to go, two that want to stay, and she's the deciding vote. Mm-hmm. And then kind of ends up flip flopping because of the whole the miscarriage with six and Ty's baby, and and it's also like the kind of the the emotional regathering of of Saul and 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 Bill, you know, over yeah. over the loss of his son, who he was going to name Liam. Yeah. naming after his friend. I mean, it, it's heartbreaking. It really is. And there's a lot of, of, of going on in there, but man, home just really, it's, it's that sort of emotional thing, but on a grander scale yeah. and really is one of the, the launching forward points of a lot of different things. So I, I, I had to go for it, you know, on that basis as well. Very nice. All right, now we have a matchup number five. Uh, no, we're on. Oh my four. gosh, we're only on four. Oh, jeez, we got to speed this sucker up. This is gonna. This is a throwback to when we did all those seasons. Except, uh, Lord, we're, we're gonna be here till like four in the morning. <laughs> except it's seltzer instead of other beverages. Uh, oh, good God. So okay, matchup four. Sorry. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, so uh, matchup four is the hub from season four and Valley of Darkness from season two. So uh, the hub is synopsized as such in pursuit of the enemy's resurrection hub. A team of Viper pilots and Cylon rebels become uneasy collaborators in formulating a battle plan. Again, just kind of selling things short. Oh, uh, Valley of Darkness, a silent, <laughs> a Cylon boarding party wreaks havoc throughout the ship while the stranded crewmen on Cobol struggle to stay alive. Once again, Wow. Yeah. Leaving out a whole bunch. Yeah. Um, 
so I thought this was interesting because to me, like there is so much in these two episodes. Mm-hmm. It just occurred to me as I was reading through the the more detailed articles on uh, on the episodes, which I'll, I'll be sure to link for each of the seasons. And if you want to, you can go through and you can find each episode. I'll do all that in the show notes. But the hub has Baltar, which this is one of my favorite moments, one of my favorite Baltar moments. Baltar's golden retriever moment with the centurion. When you remember, he's talking with him. Oh, yeah. And the centurion does a little <laughs> to the side thing, <laughs> which is still one of my favorite moments. Just like, you know, yeah. it was just so great. Uh, then you have Rosalind's visions during the jumps with mm-hmm. Alosha. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have Baltar confessing to giving away the codes of the defense mainframe. Like just here, in it, like we've gone through almost... We're three and a half seasons in and Baltar finally confesses to this thing that Rosalind has always suspected of him. And then Rosalind basically just like almost kills a dude. Mm-hmm. Just like, OK, well, that field dressing that I just put on. Yeah, let's take that off. Yep. Let's let you just bleed out. Um, and then uh, then you also get Rosalind's reunion with Adama where uh, she tells him that she loves him and he's like about damn time, which is, again, is heartwarming in a, in a weird sort of way. I after, love you. I know. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, it, <laughs> but it's Adama's version, which actually I think is kind of uh, even better. Yeah. Uh, and then you have Valley of Darkness, which has you know the crash survivors on COBOL. You have uh, you know uh, the uh, Crashdown's great um, leadership. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Graph yeah, one, this. graph two. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, that's that's the next episode. That's fragged. Oh, it is that the there. next one? Okay, because yeah. I, I love Tyrell. He's like, yeah, this is something we learned, and it wasn't really meant to be applied literally like this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Just like rub the back of the neck moment like, oh, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. Uh, you have the Cylons on board the Galactica. You have Rosalind getting to it, uh, like making her way through the ship to get to Adama because this mm-hmm. is this is early in season two where he's just been shot. Uh, you have Cottle trying to get to Adama. You have Sasinus dying. And then you have uh, Star- Starbuck and Hilo at her apartment on Caprica, mm-hmm. uh, Cylon occupied Caprica, which then leads to, you know, was was a great character moment that I just kind of always has always stuck with me as like some some really good acting between uh between uh Katie Sackoff and uh Hilo who is Tamo I can't remember I is Oh shoot. Pinnacle? Uh, is that it? Hold on, let me look it up. I'm uh, yeah, I'm flying. I'm just but anyway, a lot of moments in both of these shows and just so packed and it made it for a really difficult decision and Tomo I've been making Pinnacle. Yes, okay. So I've been making the man they call Tim go first on this one. I'll just say right out front, my my choice on this one was Valley of Darkness, mm. just because of just a lot of the the emotional stuff that was going on there, and you're still kind of in the aftermath of Adama getting shot, and and just everything that's going on, uh, you know, on Cobol with with Baltar and the wrecked Raptor and all that. I mean, it, there's just so much happening, and and it's so fast paced. Uh, it, it's just it's remarkable, uh, a remarkable episode. Uh, not to downplay the hub, but um, I don't know. I just I kind of had to go with the with the with the earlier episode. And what do you got in this one, sir? Uh, this one gets the award, the Sean Connery Award from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, where he basically uh, loses his hat or something. He's like, ah, it breaks the heart. Um, <laughs> th- this this was just oh, this is so impossible. Um, 
Valley of Darkness is probably as close to a horror episode as you're going to get with Battlestar. Um, I think mm. Apollo basically has blood on his face for about 45 minutes of the episode. <laughs> yeah. You know, because because as the prior episode ends, you you see this the Cylon ship that crashed into one of the um, I think it was the museum side of the uh, shuttle bay. And, yes. um, and basically it, it contains a bunch of Cylons and they, are, they just kind of, you know, maniacally start walking forward and, and they're just, you know, having their way. They're just making their way through the ship. Ty in, in a, a probably sober moment, um, realizes they're, they're trying to make their way to, to vent the entire ship to just kill everyone. Um, and so it's just, it, it just has this, this kind of, it, it's not as a, it's not a relentlessness like 33 was, but it was. It, it it had a it had a sense of it, you know, because yeah. you have Rosalind trying to get to sick bay. Um you know, we're, it's we're, it's really almost like die hard, like working yeah. your way. Yeah. Or actually another so going back to uh, we were talking about I I just rewatched uh Dread, Carl mm-hmm. Urban, the newest Dread movie. Not Judge Dread, because I don't need Sylvester Stallone and Robert Rob Schneider <laughs> mucking that up. <laughs> It was great that they actually worked that line in and and worked oh, it well, and you can almost gosh. hear dread fans like who are who are who saw that movie going. That's the way you do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the whole idea of like they're fighting their way to the top of mm. of the the complex, mm. and it's that sort of thing. Like it's a very compact, tight episode where you're just you're you're in there and you're stuck, yep. and you only you kind of get a few views outside of the Nakatomi Plaza that is Galactica at that moment when they go down to cobalt so you kind of get a little bit of a breath but even there it's like oh and then here's a breath and oh people are dying down here crap <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean to me it's just there's so much going on there it's i was like yeah the hub is great it's a fantastic episode but damn did you see this episode yeah crazy yeah so so it, it was a real tough decision because this this is a it, it it is a strong episode in its own right you know there, there's mm-hmm. a lot going on with it um, you know, a Adam, you know, Baltar's vision where Adama takes the child and then just drops it into the oh, pond, <laughs> just like walks away. It's like, just what the heck? not just not drops it, like puts it in and yeah. like yeah. holds it down. Like, I mean, disturbing yeah. imagery. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so a lot, a lot of, you know, emotion, a lot of heavy content in it. it it's, it's a strong episode, but I had to give the nod to the hub because, uh, there's just so much going on in this one, and and so much of it is, you know, so uh, critical to where things go from there. I mean, just in the title alone, you know, they're they're basically carrying this off out where they are going to, um, basically go and take out the Cylon Resurrection Hub, making Cylons mortal. Um, they they will not have the immortality they have enjoyed once you know if they succeed with this mission, and they do. Um, you have Rosalind, like you said, having visions of Elosha and of seeing her death and seeing Adama's reaction to her death and coming to that realization herself of, you know, having love for him and their whole, you know, reunion when she gets back. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Deanna Beers being, you know, unboxed and oh, yeah. taking Cavill out and seeing how Boomer is kind of slowly morphed into Cavill's little, you know, you know, helper now and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, and, and, and her getting on her mission now of, you know, I know who the final five are and I want to, you know, you know, interact with them, meet with them. Um, and then finally, um, you, you know, you already touched on this Rosalind and Baltar, which to me is such a powerful scene where she, 
you know, she patches him up and he, in this drug induced fog, just kind of basically admits to what he did and she's horrified, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and, and then she just, yeah, she pulls the dressing off and you just see the blood flow out of him. And I'm like, man, he's not going to make it. And then, yeah. and then, you know, she comes to her wits and saves him again. And, you know, that's the thing with the show is that as, as dark and as difficult as some of the, the events are and themes that the characters deal with, there is that struggle to be human and to, um, and to rise above. And, you know, would she have been, uh, you know, unjustified in letting him die? Probably not, but she doesn't. And Mm -hmm. so I, I just feel like, you know, it, it, it was a strong episode that had about three or four different streams of narrative going on. And in all of it in service of the larger, you know, story moving forward, which now is going to be that the Cylons are mortal. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that has a huge impact on the way they conduct themselves moving forward and, and how things go. So, you know, not to diminish Valley of Darkness, just for me, the hub just carried more weight. And it, it really just comes down. It, it's not even me pointing to one thing in the show. I think it's just this one hit me a certain way. Valley of Darkness, I, I love. This was a very painful choice, but I had to go with the hub. Yeah. Agreed. Well, not really agreed, but <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. I know. All right. So that brings us to matchup number five, which will be you can't go home again from season one versus the woman king from season three. Kind of an interesting matchup here to. Uh, I don't know. Two kind of kind of odd kind of setting uh yeah. episodes you know and get dogsville and then you got you know this weird little moon but anyway so uh you can't go home again is a, uh, synopsized as starbuck attempts to escape the barren moon she has been stranded on adama and apollo risk everything to find her putting them at odds with ty and Rosalind, which is really underselling the point there um <laughs> ty and Rosalind actually agreeing on something it's like okay the world's coming to an end yeah. now yeah uh, the Woman King, Hilo, investigates a doctor tending to civilian refugees that may be harming Sagittarian patients. So. Detective Hilo Noir. <laughs> I know, which is such a, such a weird one. I'm like, okay, for some Hilo is Mike Hammer. Why to kick not? in here, you know? Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was a Tuesday. I was walking down the hall and. No, he could. He I, mean, never, I mean, literally, Hilo could never be that dark. Like no. he could never. He, he never has an edge, you know. No, but but literally, it's like I was walking this the streets of Dogville. I mean, like it totally yeah. totally works. So anyway, that actually it would have been great to do that one just in black and white. <laughs> but you, it never would have worked. But it would have been kind of funny. So which one you got here? Ah, uh, so um, this one was tough because I I like you can't go home again. I like um the relevatory nature of it in you know, Starbuck kind of getting inside of a Raider and seeing that it's really an organic being, which is very strange. Um, You know, as well as her struggles down on the surface and, and fighting, you know, against time with, you know, her oxygen supply and, and it, it, you know, it's all a great episode and then flying back and, you know, the whole, the the whole waggle wiggle thing she does with the, with the ship with Apollo to kind of, you know, you know, or actually flying overhead and showing, you know, the way she kind of taped up her name on the bottom of the, of the Raider and then mm-hmm. doing their little flying thing was fun. Um, but, but I went with the woman King because it was, um, 
you know, again, like, like I was talking about a while, you know, back when we were talking with, you know, collaborators and, and Gata and just how you, you get a sense of how long this journey has been by, you know, these, these things that the characters are doing. Mm. The fact that there's still this like latent racism going on within the fleet yeah. um, when it comes to a doctor, when they are, again, the last survivors of a civilization and this stuff continues to go on. I, it's yep. just, you know, it, it, it was a great statement that the episode made where it was kind of examining the biases of, you know, some of the soldiers and doctors and, and, you know, you had even Ty, you know, was, was, you know, basically caught kind of, you know, uh, speaking on this sort of thing and, and his feelings towards the Sagittarians and, and, and that sort of thing. And, and, you know, it, it's Hilo who, with his persistence, even though poor Hilo was the punching bag for four seasons. Oh uh, yeah. Emotionally, um, he was right to stand up and, and they find this, this doctor was, was killing, you know, purposefully Sagittarians to keep medicine for others who were more important. And, and it wasn't the right thing to do. So I, I thought it was a nice compact kind of, you know, it, it was a standalone episode. It wasn't like it really forwarded anything in terms of the overall narrative of the Cylons and the humans, but it was an examination of how the humans, again, are still struggling with their humanity and, and the way that they deal with people of different beliefs and codes and that sort of thing and how it, it impacted the way some of them could even survive on the Galactica. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is, it is interesting that you point that out because I mean, even though I, I know that impl- just to bring that right to the forefront, like the, overall you could almost look at mm-hmm. the entire series as an indictment of humanity. Yeah. It's almost like here is the case of why we don't really deserve it. Folks, the <laughs> dolphins should get their chance. <laughs> You know, like, you know yeah. what, if we go away, maybe it's all for the best, you yeah, know, right. it, it really does, because there's so many times when the humans are being absolute, brutally horrible turds to each other. Yeah. You know, and I'm trying to be as family friendly as possible. I hope turds is still acceptable uh, on the Internet. <laughs> but oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like even again, like at this point, like we've gone through how many this is now in what? Uh, season uh, se- season three. Yeah. Like this is years into this journey and you mm-hmm. still have this stuff going on. Yeah. And it, and the thing is like you look at, at you look at the world now and, and it's kind of the same. Like you can still have this stuff happening. Yeah. And, 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 and it's sad, but it's also this uh, in a way you're like, you, you kind of hope that, that uh, you know, Carl Agathon PI is coming around That's the right. corner. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, to to kind of to kind of dispense justice and and right the wrongs and why those why those stories are so popular is because we we desperately need that and yeah. it doesn't we don't necessarily also always get to see it happen and and in real time and it's it's nice to at least have it happen in fiction from time to time and it does happen in the real world too but it's a lot more work and it doesn't get tied up in fifty minutes or thirty minutes unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I actually went uh, the other direction on this. I went with You Can't Go Home. I know, shocker that I would go for the Starbuck-heavy episode. Mm-hmm. However, um, I went for this primarily because I really liked how, uh, number one, I mean, again, I've, I've said it many times, and I will just state it again here in episode one of our you know 27-part uh, arc here that we're going to go through all the episodes. <laughs> uh, 
I am totally in the bag for for Katie Sackoff as Starbuck and and in general as Katie Sackoff as an actor. I I just I would I would to to paraphrase Kevin Smith if I were recasting Jaws, I'd cast her as a shark. That's how that's how much faith I have in her acting belief in her ability. Um but I really liked her performance in this. I think it was a great kind of uh, it, it was. It showed the breadth of of Starbuck and her resourcefulness, and mm. why she is kind of like such a badass. Like you kind of get to see, like she she just won't quit, and yep. that it kind of informs the character. But I also like how it really informs a little bit more of the character of Adama and Lee, mm. because here you you see the people who are who are very much in line of you know tactical and military and this and that and it not really for the first time because you see adama in the in the miniseries saying we got to get back into the fight like this ancient battle like they just wiped out the entire fleet but this one battle star is going to turn the tide and Rosalind having to tell her like we've lost that's our tactical position we've lost we've got our tails kicked time for us to run yeah and here like again you see like the emotion overtaking the two people who are usually or at least in, in Adama's case, usually the ones who are level-headed and trying to operate from a much more realistic base. Because you see like Adama always having to balance like Rosalind, you know, kind of starting to get into her, her, you know, oh, I'm the prophet and this and that and the other. And here you just see them not only being a, a little bit unreasonable, a little un, un, uh, emotional, totally unreasonable. Like the fleet is undefended. And, and there is no cap. And being hypocritical. Know? Totally. I mean, both, both Apollo, you know, Apollo and, and his father have both had to make the decision to leave civilians behind because especially Apollo, he he made the choice. He made the call. We got to leave the civilians behind now and, or, or at least leave the ships behind that have sublight because they don't have enough time to get everyone and FTL out of there. And he had to leave them behind. So now he is. Apollo is the one who actually has to pull the trigger yeah. on the on the on the on the spaceship that they has the nukes? The Olympic but they're carrier. not sure what. He's the one who's the trigger man on that. Yep. So yeah, it, it's even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I I just love that. And then of course you have the emotional moment at the end where you know with Apollo and 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 Adama yeah. of you know would you have done that for me? And 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 Adama like kind of just has that one line of like if you if it were you we would have never left. Yeah. Yep. And and that just is it's just it's one of those moments that just sticks with me in the show. Like this, here's a guy who is uh, seems like he's somewhat emotionally unavailable in many ways. Yeah. Yet he's having this this kind of weird passive emotionality, and then also has this has this emotional moment with his his son at the end. And it's great. It's great. I just I just love this episode. Mm. And I it's one of those episodes I could I could specifically go back and rewatch. Another difficult uh, decision. Most definitely, it breaks the heart. And that was actually that I, I want to remind you because I just remembered where that was from. That was after he breaks the vase or the um, the vase over Indy's head when he comes into the, the castle to the window. Oh, that's right. I was thinking it was when he was on the beach or something like that. And he's hat no, blew off no, or no. something like that. Oh, okay. And then he realizes it's a fake. He's like, yes, See? yes. Oh, it is great. Yeah. You know, thank you. Anyways. Um, Tying together Battlestar Galactica and Indiana Jones. Two things you really didn't think would ever go together. <laughs> Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. This is we why you need to subscribe to Free Range Idiocy if you haven't it. already. Yes. <laughs> 
All right. So matchup number six in our bracket, uh, six of eight. Mm. If in case you're just wondering, six of eight. We're 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 getting close to the end of round one, folks. And then we'll I promise you we'll we'll speed it up there. Uh, good thing no one can see me cross my fingers. All right. So uh, <laughs> matchup number six is the passage from season three, mm-hmm. up against guess who's coming to dinner from season four. Mm. Uh, passage is summarized as. When the fleet's food supply is contaminated, Galactica's pilots must lead the ships through a hazardous star cluster. Meanwhile, Kat must suddenly confront a dark secret from her past. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner is synopsized as bitter enemies must set aside their grudges as the Demetrius crew teams up with Cylon rebels to destroy a vital enemy target. Mm. Which one did you go with here, sir? Uh, I went with the passage. Um, Even from my very first viewing of it, this this episode's really stuck with me because, you know, I, I for a couple of reasons. One, it, it it is an episode where I do kind of question a little bit. And again, we're talking about a science fiction show, space magic, as you like to put it sometimes. <laughs> um, well, no, space magic is is Jedi. There's no space magic here. Okay. Uh, well, in in a way, there is because they're jumping into a star cluster that is highly radioactive, and then they're jumping out of that you know, to get to a planet and they're somehow doing this, you know, when they're totally blind and yes, they lose some ships in this episode. So, I mean, there, there, there is the mm-hmm. reality of that there, but, but that's where it, 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 you know, on the one hand, I was kind of questioning things a little bit. On the other hand, it's like, this is something I would expect them to run into, you know, like you can't just travel through space, I would assume, and not run into some, you know, major roadblocks like that, you know, where you're mm-hmm. dealing with things like, you know, heavy radiation or, or, or something else. And, and it, and, and, you know, you know, calling back to another life, you know, we, we saw that, right. You know, they, mm-hmm. they had to go around or through this dark matter and it took, you know, a long time. So, so the, you know, the premise was really interesting. And then, you know, for, for me, it stuck with me because it, it this is a story about the character of Kat. Um, this is her, you know, kind of revealing a darker side to her life before the fall of Caprica. Um, and and Starbuck, you know, Starbuck and her having a very contentious and, and competitive relationship. Huh, uh, yeah, to say the least. To to say the least. But you know that that through all of it, um, and and you know the 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 show itself is brutal because it's it's mm-hmm. brutal for the pilots. You know, because because the pilots are going through, they're trying to guide these civilian ships um, through this radiation. They have these patches on that show when they've been you know, they've, they've kind of hit their limit. Um, and, and they're cycling them as, as they reach that limit. And it's just, you know, it doesn't have the relentlessness of 33, but it has, you know, again, that there, there's an element of relentlessness there. Like they have to carry this load. They have to get the fleet across. And there's a moment in there where they do lose a couple ships. And so Kat, you know, throws the patch on when she shouldn't, she's, she's had her fill and she needs to now, you know, stay out of the rotation but she chooses to swap her patch for someone else's and she sacrifices herself. And so, you know, for me, this episode has just been, uh, it's, 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 it's one of those sacrifice episodes where it takes a character who is really kind of a side character and really elevates it. Um, Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, brings, you know, Starbuck to a point of humility, um, with her, uh, and, and really, you know, when she sees what she's made of and what she did, and how she put herself out there and, and essentially, you know, sacrificed herself um, as well as Adama, you know, um, making her, you know, that, that emotional moment when they make her the cap 
uh, or the CAG, sorry, the CAG, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is when she passes away and, and, you know, and then Starbucks, the one that puts a picture of her up on, on the memorial wall. Um, it, it's just all throughout just has a lot of heart to it. Um, and so it, for, for me, it's, it's, it has been one of those like episodes that I just remember having a real emotional attachment to, because I just feel like from a character perspective, it just, it highlights a, you know, secondary character brings, brings her to the forefront and does a very serviceable job in kind of closing her story out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And I, this is, this is a, uh, I don't want to say it's not something they didn't do all the time, but it really was, it was taking one of those, one of those secondary characters that you didn't know a whole lot about and really fleshing out their backstory but also not really letting him off the hook. Yeah. Like cats, a cat ends up being the hero, but you also learn like she wasn't also always the hero. Right. Right. And it really doesn't forgive all of her past stuff. I mean, cause she was the one who was, who was taking stems and, and, you know, was one of the original like nuggets who Starbuck washed out mm-hmm. just wholesale, you know, and, and then had to welcome back and, and then, of course, there was the competition between her and Starbuck and, and all of that, you know, but does such a great job of, of giving this giving this character who you kind of always like, eh, she's she's good, but she's kind of annoying in a way because, you know, well, I mean, being a, you know, team Starbuck, it was always like, ah, her, you know, that's sort of yeah, yeah. but really gave her a heroic and fitting end. Yeah. And, and really gave her really in in the same way of uh, fulfilling her story arc but also give informing who she was and and where she and and who she became and 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 giving you more of that hero's journey of like oh she she did she she made an effort to to change and and to become some someone better and 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 to to get herself away from what she used to do and and all of that and yeah it's a, it's a powerful episode and like you say it's so well written and directed and and that whole like the device like the the white badge that turns you know turns completely black once you've gotten all of your radiation is such a like great story device that just is like very easily you start understanding what's happening you know and oh man yeah it's a brutal brutal episode yeah. brutal episode yeah. uh, guess who's coming to dinner it is a good episode in and of itself too but couldn't stand up to that one no it, yeah th- this was definitely a and I didn't mean to not really talk about that one but but again I. it shows in this bracket. Like I think the passage is just so much emotionally stronger that it's, Mm. it's not that guess who's coming to dinner. Isn't a good episode or doesn't have some weight, but it's not even a comparison between these two. Yeah, true. And I think that's going to be in our next, uh, (laughs) next matchup as well. Uh, we have lay down your burdens, part one and two from season two and escape velocity from season four. So lay down your burdens with the presidential elections weeks away. A new discovery could turn the entire election around. Meanwhile, Starbuck leads a team back to Caprica to rescue the resistance fighters with the elections underway. Starbuck returns from her mission along with a Cylon who delivers an unexpected message to Adama and Roslyn. Escape Velocity is summarized as Baltar's monotheistic cult active. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, I'm so, I'm so like used to thinking of it as like Baltar's freaky, like, you know, sex cult and I like <laughs> monotheistic just kind of rolled off of my tongue and I'm like, huh? My brain just shorted out. I'm like, that's not, no, that actually is what the cult is about. Like Starbucks, I mean, uh, Baltar hooking up with every, having his own harem was, was a secondary part of it that turned into the primary part of it somewhere in my brain. It was, uh, oh my gosh. 
Uh, okay, so Baltar's monotheistic cult activities expand, sparking political discord at the Quorum of Twelve and possibly a religious civil war, while Colonel Ty's mental state again becomes fragile. Oh, boy. Poor Saul. So, yeah. Saul, I mean, Saul went through the ringer in this one. Oh, my goodness. We talk about scars, but it's like, he could always be like, I lost an eye. <laughs> Hello? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I was I was like a pirate for the second half of this show. Yeah. Anyone remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you about scars. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. Good old Michael Hogan. Um, so, who do you got in this one? Uh, yeah, this one was a little bit of a, another unfair two-parter kind of just weighing, you just mm. carrying so much more weight than, than what it's going up against. So I, I went with lay down your burdens. Um, yeah, this one is, uh, you know, especially, um, how do I say it? Especially dear to my heart because I just remember watching it, uh, with my wife and at the end of it, where we have the big cliffhanger at the end with the Cylons basically kind of taking over new caprica mm-hmm. uh i'm just like where the heck are they going to go now yeah you know what i mean like it's it's and i i couldn't remember the exact phrasing he used but i remember i really liked how pat oswald the the comedian put it because he he was a huge Battlestar fan and mm. i heard an interview with him one time and he's like he loved this episode too because he's like you know to to go and completely flip the script or or he I think the phrase he used was like change the state of grace of the show or something like that, where it goes mm. from this, mm-hmm. they're flying through space to kind of find where their home is to, okay, they established a home to now they are now enslaved by the Cylons. Um, yep. Was such a shift from where they were. And, you know, really when season three starts, it's a very different show because it's all about them as like freedom fighters, basically trying to bust out of their situation uh, and 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 just try to escape, you know, to to get back away from the Cylons and uh, and out from under Cylon control. So, so I I really uh, I really liked it. I I I liked how this really kind of exposed how deep Rosalind had gotten in as a politician, where she was trying to rig the vote in her favor yeah. because she couldn't she couldn't stand the idea of Baltar. Not not that she didn't like him, but just she she felt morally it was the wrong thing to do for him to be the leader of the fleet or the leader mm-hmm. of, of the remaining of, uh, you know, the population um, because of how dangerous and selfish he is. And she of course was proven right where they go a year in the future and colonial one is now his bachelor pad apparently. So, Oh yeah. And of course we get, we get the, the great scene where Baltar puts his head down and that's the time jump. Like you zoom yes. in on Baltar yep. And he puts his head down and then he he's he picks his head back up the and it's painting like painting behind him. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> and then and then we've got um, you know, you've got all the weirdness of all of a sudden now Adama has his mustache back. Oh gosh, and, uh, yeah. It was just crazy town yep. at the end of that episode. She's like, what? Yeah. What just happened? Because you're kind of thinking, like, when when he puts his head down, I'm thinking, okay, well, that's the end of the episode. Nope. But wait, there's more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. So, and then with escape velocity, I mean, again, it, you know, good episode, but it just doesn't, it just doesn't hold up, you know, and, and, mm. you know, especially when you get into this, you know, these episodes where it's, you know, Tyrrell's dealing with the loss of Cali, you have Baltar, you know, dealing with the sons of Ares, you know, certainly 
has its place, but just when you compare these two, it, it just doesn't hold the same weight. So, so that's well, yeah. what I want I mean, to lay down your burdens. You've got a season finale up against an, an episode that is rightfully you know, does its job. Yeah. It, it yeah. forwards, the, it forwards very uh, forward storylines onto the next stop, you yeah. know, yeah. nothing, nothing really flashy about the episode. It does some, it does some emotional heavy lifting. I mean, you get the whole Adama, uh, chief interaction in, in the bar yeah, and where, where he, chief goes off yeah. about Cali and everything else. I mean, oh my goodness, like just becomes a very, angry kind of horrible ugly character in that moment yeah and you know so there's a there's a lot of stuff there that happens but yeah you can i mean going up i mean i went with lay down your burdens i mean no secret there i mean yeah that that whole episode was masterful yeah i mean how how do you how do you how do you do that and say oh no this season finale this program for like maximum impact (laughs) going up against you know, uh, just a kind of workmanlike episode from season four. That's like, okay, well, we are at we're at point C. We need to get to point E by the end of this episode. Yeah, done. You know, oh yeah, I I totally agree with everything that you just said, sir. Which brings us to our last matchup of round one, matchup number eight, and this is going to feature another season one show going up against a season two show, uh, and an- another one that uh, it's a little bit unfair. Let's just be honest. Another two-parter going up against uh, a one-parter that is essentially almost fighting with one hand behind its back. Yeah. So uh, Colonial Day, season one, going up against Resurrection Ship, part one and two from season two. Uh, Colonial Day is summarized thusly to celebrate the anniversary of the Articles of Colonization. Rosalind reconstitutes the Quorum of Twelve. However, the election of Tom Zarek to the Quorum creates a political crisis for Rosalind. And then we have Resurrection Ship, which reads thusly: The conflict between Galactica and Pegasus is put on hold with the discovery of a vital Cylon ship. The battle to destroy the Resurrection Ship begins as both Adama and Kane make plans to seize command, complete command of the military. Once again. Lots of details left out there. Oh, jeez. No kidding. <laughs> However, which one did you go for? I am guessing Colonial Day. Well, you're right. I, I had to go with Colonial Day. Do you know why? And why? Because it has the debut of the Colonial Gang. Do you know who the Colonial Gang is? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the McLaughlin Group in space. <laughs> What would have been they and, and see this is why no one has asked me to run a TV show because I would have been, I would have not 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 been able to get like Dana Carvey in to do his like <laughs> McLaughlin impression. Not your show. Like I I wouldn't I would have had to have had that. Oh my god! It would have it, oh it would have been horrible. It would have been absolutely horrible. The show would have been canceled just on that show alone, which is why I am not working in television, ladies and gentlemen. I, I'm here on the podcast. I, you know, I, I recently rewatched this episode and when that started, I, you know, cause I totally forgotten about it and I'm watching this and I'm like, I was kind of beside myself. I'm like, okay, you're the last of the civilization. You guys are on the run and you're finding time to have like, you know, some sort of political back and forth. It's just like, well, but what else are those guys going to do? Like I if know, they have no I other know. skills, right. like, it, it's right. one of those things that you're like, it's, this is absurd, but yet it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Like human, human and beings I just love the name. It's like, Hey, we're the colonial gang. You know, yeah. it's just like, Oh my God, that's the best you could come up with the colonial gang. Good. Lord. Yeah. All the, all the really creative writers got killed in the, uh, got killed in the bombardment. <laughs> It was just the rank and file reporters. 
we're just used to do the, just not even not even the reporters like the yeah. rank and file like talking heads like i look good on a screen oh my gosh and just, that is all yes <laughs> it's like yes put four of them together what do, we're gonna be the colonial gang oh gosh that's a great idea phil thank <sighs> you yes oh my gosh we need more colonial but gang. It, it, it was actually, the debut of and i don't think we ever saw again the colonial gang <laughs> Oh no! I think they, they made their way in a couple of different things, but All it was right. it was a lot a lot less yeah. than that. I think you what you're forget Caprica. We we didn't need that spinoff series. We needed the Colonial Gang, yeah. and we needed uh we needed Carl Agathon PI. That's right. those are the two spinoffs that we needed. As a matter of fact, you know what? Yep. I don't think Tomo is all that busy right now. I don't. I don't think. I think we still. You know what? He would probably look be great. A few years older, a little more grizzled. Yeah, he would be perfect for like a black and white, like just private, hard boiled private eye show. Absolutely. It would be great. Absolutely. Absolutely great. All right. Well, now that we got all that out of the way, uh, <laughs> I. <laughs> I, I actually went with Resurrection Ship. This this was um, this was another unfair matchup because uh, th- this is basically the chess match between Kane and Adama, um, mm. and then layered on top of that is both Pegasus and Galactica going after um, what is really the first Resurrection Ship that we've seen um, from the Cylon. So we're you know up to this point we're where they can resurrect. Um, we've never really you know, understood how that all works, but we end up finding, you know, they find through reconnaissance, um, that, uh, that the ship exists and they carry out an op basically to take it out. Um, but behind all of that, Kane is planning to have Adama murdered so that she can take over the fleet. And likewise, Adama is planning to have Kane murdered so so he can take over the fleet. So like the, these two, these two parts are just a, phenomenal chess match between two strong characters with that Mm -hmm. layer of you know a common purpose kind of confusing everything and we have starbuck you know serving on the pegasus and we have you know uh so anyways it 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 was really just so well done so i i had to go with it uh as much as i like the colonial gang uh (laughs) i'm sorry resurrection ship was just just stronger more emotional and more weight yeah and and uh colonial day was I would put it there with, you know, sort of like we did with the last matchup where escape velocity It's kind of a it's kind of a workman like episode. Yeah. It forwards yeah. some storylines and you you take care of some things like you have to have. You give Rosalind this group rather than her just being the entire government like yes. you have to get that. You also get Tom Zarek now is like the fly in the ointment, mm-hmm. the monkey in the wrench, the you know, whatever other. Uh, you know, John McClaneisms that you want to throw in there, and uh, <laughs> you, you know, kind of becomes her new her political foil, which was I think is really important because yeah. that's something you didn't necessarily have in the in the OG Battlestar Galactica, and sometimes you don't have those internal antagonists when when you really need them uh, in stories. But yeah, it, it's tough to compete against Resurrection Ship. I mean, right from the beginning, you you just have this following hot on the heels of like, oh, the Pegasus survived too, and then in that episode like things go to hell real quick and yeah. and you end up by the end of that like 
like, you know, Dama, I'm going to get my men back. And you start getting that whole thing. And oh my gosh, like yeah. that, I think that might've been the first get me a Raptor assault team. That might've been the very first Raptor assault team mentioned. Mm. And, and I know that we kind of turned that into a running joke when we were doing our season reviews back in the yes, day. Yes, we did. But I, we did. that might have been the very first time that he used that phrasing. And oh my gosh, to this, the hair on the back of my neck stood up when I said it. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, oh it gives me a chill because it would be so great if, if the if problems in life, you could just saw that. Get me a Raptor assault crew, you know, something like that. Oh, it'd be great. Um, well, and, and but oh, sorry, if I could just jump in real quick. I mean, yeah. Uh, oh, whoops, wrong episode. Sorry, I was pulling up the Wikipedia for uh, Resurrection Ship. Um, I was just trying to find the name of the six that was abused by Kane. Gina. Gina. Um, Which, I, oh my gosh, that was horrible. Oh, horrible. horrible. And but but yet poetic because of what ends up happening. You know, like mm-hmm. like Kane's fall is because of what she did. You know, and yep. and and how Gina was treated, and that all came back to haunt her. Um. So I I just yeah I mean there's just so much good stuff in this. And then the the actual the even worse the fact that you know Gina originally is begging Baltar to kill her. Yeah. You know, and 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 in we knowing that she was out of range of a resurrection ship mm-hmm. like she just she wants and but then of course Gina is the one who detonates the nuke yes. that tells the Cylons where the colonials are and yada 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 bing bang boom and oh that sucks yep. um but yeah just the fact that you have like the two viper squadrons like dog fighting without shooting and like you it's just like something bad's going to happen and Starbucks showing back up like what the hell did i miss yeah like, yeah, what's going? What's happening? Yeah, you know, um, and probably just be like, of course, I have the one ship that doesn't have guns. Dang it! Um, but oh yeah, just so much going on in that and that chess match at the end of of it just being like that that ticking time bomb of who is going to give the order and who isn't and who's gonna and and wondering if they actually know that the other is plotting against them, like yeah. or wondering if the other is plotting against them. And oh my gosh, yeah, and then just to to have them both kind of stand down, but to, but to, for Kane to get taken out by Gina again is, oh man, it's crazy. Yeah. Crazy and, episode. And this is the episode where Adama says it's not enough to survive. One has to be worthy of surviving. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. yeah. Again, a, a great continuing theme. Indeed. So we both had resurrection ship on that one. So now we finally, uh, in, in like hour Sweet 15 of this show. Moses. Good Lord. I, I just have to let you all know who are still with us, uh, who are still awake. The man they call Tim was originally like, oh, no, we'll just do uh, we'll do two brackets in one show. It'll be fine. I was like, I don't know if that's going to work after doing the Star Trek episode. No. <laughs> and here we are. We're even further I came around. I texted, we you. On that one. <laughs> I texted you and said, I think we should just do one region because I don't see how well, this is going to work. In all fairness, that was after you had like three double bourbons, so I I I had to give you a cooling off period because uh, you were hot wants what it wants. <laughs> you were you were you were very optimistic, and you kept on telling me Bill Moody stories. It was well, weird. It was know. very weird. All right, so uh, round two begins uh, with the winner of uh, round one's uh, first and second matchups. For, for for you, that's what is going on with me here? Like, what is it in this seltzer? Did I get some more of that like CBD seltzer this week by accident? Patrick slipped um, something in there. Maybe. I don't know. All right. So if we do a matchup one versus two, that is Cobal's last gleaming versus collaborators. 
who have you got in that matchup? Uh, so again, uh, I, I'm going to go with Cobal's uh, last gleaming uh, for mm. the same reason uh, stated before. As good as collaborators is, um, I just feel like that the the event of Adama shooting, you know, as we already talked about, just 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 has more impact. And and so I think if I'm basing it on impactfulness and and emotion, I just feel like um, it, it has less to do with it being a two parter. It's really for me just kind of that ending and that and the way it's the season one cliffhanger um, just carries a lot of weight. So I went with Cobal's last gleam. All right. Well, for me, it's the exact same matchup. I'm going the other way though. I'm going collaborators. Ah. I, I felt the the personalness of the of the story mm. kind of just resonated a bit more. I mean, I, I agree with everything you said, and it is a. I mean, it's almost a coin flip, honestly. Yeah. And that's with if I'm being honest with myself and with everybody who's listening, it's like that for most of these. Oh yeah, because there's oh, yeah. there's there's a case to be made for both episodes a lot of these times. Like I am so in the bag for this show as an entire whole that mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, you put on any of these episodes, and guess what? I'm happy for fifty minutes. Yep. I'm not going to complain. Yay. Good times. Um, <laughs> unless you have the, 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 like the, the ham fisted edited sci-fi versions that were online and available, you know, that were, that were apparently oh, got gosh. cut, that were cut down from the original air version, oh, which was stupid. Just absolutely stupid. Awful. I mean, I understand like you have deleted scenes and stuff's on the cutting room floor when you're on TV and it's like time blocks and everything. It's like you're online now. Why are you editing these? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's bits and I'm watching and this of my I own mean, time. Right Show it all to me, please. Yeah. I mean, did you did you have to do it because you're trying to get under the plan on Amazon's hosting service? Like what what the crud? Yeah, um, anyways. Uh, but yeah, I went with collaborators. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, good show. Nice. I just I enjoyed that one a little bit more. All right, so for matchup two here, we take uh, matches matchups three and four from round one. So for you, this is home. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, home. <laughs> There's another one later on that I was summarizing that I never mind. Uh, so <laughs> this is home versus the hub for you. Yes. Which one you got? Uh, this is another one that breaks the heart. Um. Well, I'm going to go with the hub. Uh, I, I, I mean, really what it's going to come down for, for me with a lot of these is just kind of what I emotionally and, you know, anchored onto with these episodes and, and how they kind of mm-hmm. impacted me as I watched them. And I just remember the hub just being, you know, just very intense and, and being very kind of attached to it um, in terms mm-hmm. of the events that happen and, and the impactfulness of it on the story. So, um, home is, as we already talked about, a phenomenal set of episodes, um, equally, you know, with, with, with equal impact, but, but not, I shouldn't say with equal impact with impact, but not to the level of what I felt happened in the hub. So I went with the hub. Alrighty. So for me, that matchup is going to be home versus Valley of Darkness. Mm. And again, I, I'd be happy to watch either. Yep. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to throw either episode out of bed for eating crackers, uh, as the saying goes. <laughs> oh, um, I don't know where I actually I, I don't know where if I that's a specific saying that I heard from one I'm, or I'm just getting like one version of that. But anyways, <laughs> um, why a te- why an episode of television would be eating crackers in the first place? I, I don't know. I just kind of let you go, man. <laughs> 
What is in this seltzer? I, um, uh, I think Patrick slipped you a Mickey Finn, but anyways, go ahead. Maybe. Uh, so if I have to pick, though, I'm going with Valley of Darkness. Mm. Uh, that was just a, a, a tremendous episode. So much going on. And, and like I said, kind of die hard on a Galactica. Yep. Die hard on a Battlestar. Um, all right. So uh, our third matchup for round two is going to be matchups five versus six from the uh, previous round. So the Woman King versus the Passage for you. Which one are you going with? Uh, as much as I like uh, Hilo P.I., um, <laughs> I I just, uh, you know, again, emotionally uh, and, and just the structure of it and, and everything we talked about with the Passage just carries more mm-hmm. weight for me. Mm-hmm. Um not to say the woman King, uh, you know, wasn't a strong episode, but when you put the two of them together, um, I just feel like that story about cat was just really well done, very strong, mm-hmm. very impactful. Um, and, uh, and, and really for the fleet, I mean, it was an impactful story. I mean, two or three ships are lost, um, yeah. during that. And so they, they lose some of the, the, the folks that, um, you know, make up that civilization. And, and, and that's a pretty huge thing. I, and I, I know I said before, I, it got me questioning things a little bit. I did like that they did this because it brought realism to their journey. You know what I mean? Like yes. the fact that you lost a ship because of conditions around it, I think was a really smart storytelling device that kind of brought, you know, reality into this very fictional universe of a story. And so, um, so I went with the passage on this one. Right on. So for me, this is going to be uh, you can't go home again versus the passage. And this was this one was tough for me. Oh, Starbuck V cat. I know. It's like <laughs> head to head here. Um, oh, my gosh. But I, it comes down to I mean, I, I just really I, I hear everything you said about the passage. And I agree. I yeah. agree. Very impactful yeah. for the fleet. Very impactful for individual characters. Man, I. I had to go. I had to come back for this one to me. Just like which one did I enjoy watching more? And got to be honest, I just I I could watch. You can't go home again. Probably a couple times in a row before I would get bored and want to go to something else. Yeah. So I had to go with you can't go home again. Oh, and 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 it ends on a high note. You know what I mean? I mean it's it it's a it's a joyful ending to it too. I mean the passage is is it's not dark it's sad but it's sad in a heroic i, I like how you put it I, I didn't say the word heroic but you i think heroic is the right word that you, you brought out in yeah that. um is that it brings a heroism to a character and, and it's a different kind of feel to it it's sad it's you know um it's sad but but at the same it's not joyful but it's it's a different sort of emotion i guess so yeah agreed you, All right, so you can tell this oh, is wearing on me because I'm just I can't find the words. <laughs> the words escape me. It's getting late in the night too, sir. Oh, we're we're God. we're pushing the envelope in this one back to back to old school lengths. Um, all right, so the final matchup in round two is going to be winners from seven and eight mm-hmm. in the previous round. So for you, that is lay down your burdens versus resurrection ship. Two part, two 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 parters going head to head. Two parters going head to head. I told that's, that's four episodes worth worth of story Dang. in in one matchup. Uh I I got to go with lay down your burdens. Um, as good as resurrection ship is, uh, mm. I I feel the um just a lot of what we talked about that's going on in those two parts in in lay down your burdens the fact that it ends the way that it does completely flipping the script of the of the sense of the show 
um, mm-hmm. and leaving, you know, I, I mean, it was a really well done, done cliffhanger. Cause you're kind of like, okay, how do they get out of this? You know, I mean, like the ships oh, yeah. have jumped away. They have no support. I mean, it's like, boy, this is not going to go well for them. So, um, oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's horrific because I mean, yeah. you ask, how do you top the, you know, the season one finale? Right. Like, well, you can't shoot Adama again. No, no. Okay. Well, guess what? We've got a. We didn't shoot anybody, but we have got a gun. Well, you might as well have, because I mean, there, there's very little hope because like you say, the whole fleet jumps away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the only hope for these people just jumped away and yeah. they're stuck. Yep. So yeah, agreed. So just from an emotional, impactful sort of thing, I, I just feel like uh, th- this was kind of like their their flavor of what you know was Empire Strikes Back for Star Wars, which, but done in their way, mm. you know. And, and mm-hmm. I think it was really well done. So as much as I love Resurrection Ship and think it's a very strong, strong uh, two parter, I I got I to go with Lay Down Your Burdens. All right. Well, it was the exact same matchup for me. And going into that, I went the opposite way. I went with Resurrection Ship, mm. just for the 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 ticking time bomb that was the the Admiral Kane and Adama dynamic, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and everything that was going along with that, along with the the whole the, the whole sub story of of Gina, which is horrific, oh, yeah. Yeah. and but just the dynamics of of the the two ships and and all that that entailed it was it was just a whole lot going on there and Story i thought it was two different journeys for those ships oh yeah and the more you and of course that you get you get the uh the the fisk uh tie mm. you know seen by the still which oh geez yeah yeah it, it gives you the willies because you're you're like oh my gosh this is really horrific and then he starts laughing and now you're like okay was he was he really kidding or what or is it now horrific and now this guy's insane yeah because yeah. <laughs> it's like now everything's on the table yeah uh but oh man just a just a mother of a couple episodes right there yep. oh goodness agreed all right well now we get down to round three the quarterfinals and uh for round one in this we take the winners from uh, one and two in the previous uh matchup so we've got for you Cobal's last gleaming going up against the hub this is getting tough now sir it is, um, and, and I, I struggled on this one too because this is really, you know, uh, you know, as I mentioned, it's it's Adama getting shot and the impact mm-hmm. of that versus you know, kind of like four streams of action going on in the hub. Um, but putting them together and comparing them and just thinking through it, I I ended up going with the hub on this one. I felt like the uh, the, you know, as I mentioned, the four, three or four threads that are being told throughout that story just have a lot of weight, a lot of emotion, a lot of impact. And, um, not, not that it diminishes what, you know, clearly what was very impactful of a season one cliffhanger, but putting them together like this, I, I got to give the nod to the hub this time around. So right on, got to part with Cobal's last gleaming. I know it was painful for you, but it was its last gleamings in your bracket. It breaks the heart. <laughs> You're going to get a lot of mileage out of that one. I am. Uh, for me, this is going to be Collaborators versus Valley of Darkness. Mm. And uh, <sighs> tough choice, man. It hoits. Because they're, they're, both, they're both really tense episodes. But I, I'm, yeah. I'm giving this one to Collaborators, which is kind of the dark horse in there because I would have – I was very close to going with Valley of Darkness just mm-hmm. for the sheer amount of things happening. Um, however, 
again, that person, the personalness of, of collaborators just kind of won me over in the, and, and kind of how it just, it doesn't give you a blow off so much as it gives you a little bit of a pressure release, mm-hmm. but then continues to set up even more tension going forward. Mm. You know, it, yeah. it's a, it's a very interesting show. The more and more and more I think through it, yeah, that it's not your normal sort of thing, you know? Uh, so yeah, I had to go with collaborators there. Oh, interesting. Uh, for our other matchup in round three, we have the winners of matchups three and four in the previous bracket. So you have the passage versus lay down your burdens. Mm. Which one are you going with there, sir? Well, when you weigh them both, uh, I I got to keep going with lay down your burdens. I, I think it's mm. just it's got more to. Um, I don't mean to say it's got more to it, but it, it's just the the themes and the weight and the impact is just greater there than, you know, the passage has been kind of a, a cat specific story. And so I, I just got to go with lay down your burdens. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. And, uh, you know, even though lay down your burdens uh, met its match a while ago in my bracket, yeah. I'm still, man, I, so much love for those that two parter. Mm. I mean, it's such a great, well-constructed story with lots of interesting little twists and turns and devices and, and oh, character yeah. building moments. Totally. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely see that one. Totally. Uh, for me, this is going to be You Can't Go Home Again versus Resurrection Ship. Mm. <sighs> I love how after every time you introduce these, there's just this sigh of like, why, why do I have to do this? <laughs> I know. And I'm the one with the idea. That's the, th- that's the real, that's the real tough part here. Um, uh, and it, it, it would seem that the, the two parter would have the advantage here mm. definitely in, in, in the breadth of storytelling, but man, uh, I'm going to go with, you can't go home again. It's just, it's a fun episode. Kane versus Starbuck. <laughs> You know, I just, I really just like that episode. I really do. I really do. So basically, if Uncle Todd was a wrestling promoter and Starbuck was part of the talent, Starbuck's going over every single time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're talking like Hulk Hogan territory, like even like Steve Austin territory, where like even if there's a, even if the, even if, you know, Starbucks got to do the job. I'm still going to make sure she gets her heat back. We're going to protect her. You know, it'll be like a, we'll have a dusty finish so that she doesn't have to lose the title, but we'll build up some more heat. Like I'm throwing all the tricks here there we go. to try and, to try and keep that, keep, keep Starbuck at the pit, at the peak of my promotion. There you go. Oh, totally. There you go. Totally. Very nice. I love the way you put that. That is so apt to the description. <laughs> it really is. Oh my gosh. I am. Oh yeah. Anyways. Love it. Love it. So now that brings us to the finals for our first region, uh, a, a brief four and a half hour journey to, for us to get here. Uh, <laughs> it's the journey about the journey. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that I, I was thoughtful enough to put on depends before we started the show. <laughs> I've drank an entire flat of polar. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna be our new sponsor like these idiots keep on mentioning. actually no they won't be our sponsor oh, like so would you God. please drink some other kind of seltzer we don't need your name associated with ours um oh, so for you this is going to come down to the hub mm. versus lay down your burdens yes. sir yes. and 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 is the here the big question is i mean which which do you love do you love that that season finale or is the hub going to continue its cinderella like run actually no it's not cinderella this is really this is really a battle of like 
two one seeds really yeah is what it feels like yeah so what do you got well Rosalind says she she loves Adama and he says about time mm. but I gotta leave it behind unfortunately oh gotta leave it behind I thought you were romantic sir I well you know the hot wants what it wants so oh god again <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm, I'm I'm on a whole Sean Connery kick right now, aren't I? Um, but anyways, uh, I I gotta go I later. I'm giving it to the Mox Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! That is great. <laughs> so good in that movie. Um, lay down your burden. Go stepping morons like yourself to try reading books instead of burning them. Instead of burning them. I love how you put the little extra stank on the burn part. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Oh gosh. Good old Connery. But uh, back to BSG. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Lay Down Your Burdens. I I, I feel that that two-parter right there just has um, just has a lot of, of uh, emotional weight to it. And, and you know, it, everything we've said before, I, I, I don't have to repeat it, but uh, mm-hmm. compared with the hub, it is uh, it, it just kind of ekes out a little bit ahead of it. Um, Mm-hmm. Hub is a very strong episode, like we talked about too. But I got to go and lay down your burdens because I, I just, I really love that 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 cliffhanger at the end of season two. I thought it was great writing. Um, I, I love how it transitions into season three and where that goes. And so, uh, so for me, lay down your burdens is it, baby? It is making its way out of the bracket. All right. Well, for me, I the reason I kind of held back on the Cinderella thing for yours is I've I really feel like uh, here I've got collaborators going against you can't go home again. I feel like you can't go home again is really the Cinderella of my bracket, like the one that you wouldn't. Well, I mean, given my history, you're like, eh, let's just put a star next to all the Starbuck episodes and it's going to be one of them. Um, <laughs> what can I say? As you said before, the heart wants what the heart wants. Yeah. But uh, collaborators versus you can't go home. Cinderella stays at the ball, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. You can't go home again. Comes out of my uh, region wow. one bracket. Very nice. The 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 dark horse to come out of this whole thing. Starbuck once again. Uh, your Starbuck undisputed Gata. world champion. Gata, you're doing the job. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, Gata. It's gonna be. It's not. It's like a squash match too. It's not even. It's not even close. There's no dignity. There's no heat for Gata. It's just. (laughs) It's almost. It's almost like a a a rock versus Billy Gunn sort of thing at that that point. Like not only not only is does Gata lose, Gata's career is destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Okay. Oh my gosh, that's such a great promo. (laughs) (laughs) And you said to God, dear God. Yes, Bobby. My name is Billy. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Just watching someone destroy another person's career in real time on television. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That hurts. Oh my Anyways, all right, so there you have it, folks. The end of Region 1 for us. Lay Down Your Burdens from Season 2 uh, is the man they call Tim's pick. For me, I go with a Season 1 show, You Can't Go Home Again, and uh, we will return next episode with... Region two, which will be, I don't know, the base star region or something <laughs> equally inept that I'll just I'll just pull out of thin air as we're doing the show. So are we calling this one the the Caprica bracket? Sure, why not? Why not? I for for no reason whatsoever. The next one the next one ought to be what was the what was the uh uh it'd be the Kamala <laughs> bracket. You know what? Like we that. need to have a Sasinus bracket. 
in memory of well, Sasinus. That, that should have been this one. Well, maybe this needs to be the Sasinus bracket then. This is the Sasinus Memorial bracket. Yes. Okay. I'm good with that. All right. We'll, we'll call it that. Make it so. Make it so. Nice. And another thing. All right, sir. Well, what have you got for and another thing this week? Uh, my and another thing is just a quick blurb on a, sh- a game that I've been playing for, gosh, probably close to a year now, um, but has brought me just, just so much fun and joy playing it, um, is uh, Star Wars The Old Republic. Uh, it, it's very, very uh, fun, open world, uh, MMO, RPG kind of game um, where uh, you, you can be a Jedi, you can be a smuggler, you can be a bounty hunter and, and you have a whole like, you know, long kind of story arc that you can play through and grow your character and evolve and, and, uh, you know, bring other characters kind of into your group and stuff like that. Just, just a lot of fun. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of props to the, uh, the, the Bioware team with the, uh, just the settings and the visuals for it. Um, I mean, they, they just really bring the life, you know, each of the, different planets from from the star wars universe it's just very very well done um really enjoy it uh so they recently had a an upgrade uh 7.0 uh version upgrade uh called uh, legacy of the sith it's some new content um that has been introduced as well as updates to their ui um one of the big things they've done is allow greater cross-pollination of character classes uh so Mm -hmm. if you're a bounty hunter um, you're kind of limited to like two options um, of what you can be, but now you can actually spread that out across um, six others. So you can make a bounty hunter who's maybe just a sniper, you know, as opposed to being kind of a gunslinger. Um, mm-hmm. Or you can, um, you know, because basically like like the Mandalorian, for example, is, is considered to be part um, gunslinger part, um, what they call, uh, of, uh, power tech where, where they have a lot of like armor and, and they have, you know, some like, like a power weapon with them as well. Um, mm-hmm. so it, it just gives you more flexibility. I've with my smuggler character who, um, was, was very much, you know, kind of a, a gunslinger, uh, you know, sort of character. I've moved him into a sniper, um, character class now and it's actually a lot of fun playing that character so i'm i'm actually enjoying that um you know a lot of the skills uh you you get are are you know basically depending on where you are in the game um you know you get a certain you know number of skills in terms of what you can do and stuff and so so it's really well done um oh the other thing they can do is load out so basically you can you can uh, save you know what your selections are when you pick a particular class and you can just switch between the classes without having to reset everything by hand. So that, that was really smart. Hmm. Um, so overall, just, just a lot of fun. It just brings another dimension to the game. Um, same with the Jedi and Sith. Um, you know, you can create a Jedi character who actually goes and can be a Sith class. Um, you know, if, if you want, uh, of course it kind of means your, your Jedi is kind of a darker Jedi, but, um, uh, but nonetheless, uh, I, I would just recommend if you haven't, uh, you know, if you're into these open world kind of games, you're into star Wars, looking for something where you can kind of immerse yourself a little bit into, you know, some fun storytelling and kind of jump around the galaxy. Uh, this is a great game for it and is now made even more richer by, uh, this latest update, uh, which just gives you more options. So that is my end. Another thing. Ah, well, and are you willing to share the name of your character so that people might be able to find you, the, might be able to find the man they call Tim online? Uh, y- yes. Yeah. So my smuggler character is um, called Braxton Holiday. That's kind of what it generated. So I don't know if they were thinking Doc Holiday, but yeah. So 
Oh, that's what it automatically, you don't get to pick it? No, I, I do get to pick it, but you can, you, there's like name generators where you can just kind of like randomly generate, you know, a name. Oh, that's okay. That's what kind of came up when I was kind of doing like a Star Wars character. So I thought that now, was Did you give him a nice handlebar mustache like Doc? Uh, yeah, it does actually. <laughs> He's got the cowboy hat. He's got everything. So I have not yet begun to defile myself. <laughs> I'm like, man, I couldn't have asked for a better name, better character, better outfit. Yep. Good stuff. Oh, nice. Nicely done, sir. Thank you. And how about you? Uh, I finished watching this movie the other day, and it is, I'll describe it this way. It is one of the most crass, raw, just <laughs> wrong, but inspirational movies that you're going to see in, 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 that's made, made recently. And it is Dolomite is My Name, and it is on Netflix. <laughs> it is starring Eddie Murphy. As uh, as comedian, singer, uh, actor, uh, director, not director, uh, like movie maker, Rudy Ray Moore, who is uh, iconic uh, for for just like I've I heard it. I read it described as entertaining his audience no matter what, mm. like just at all costs, entertaining his audience, whether whatever he had to do. And it was over the top and all that. It also uh, stars Keegan-Michael Key, uh, Mike Epps, Craig Robinson, Titus Burgess, Divine Joy Randolph. She is phenomenal in this movie. You and uh, Wesley Snipes. You also have a couple of uh, little guest appearances. You got Snoop Dogg in there. You got T.I. You got Chris Rock. Um, and it is the story of... Um, Real-life legend Rudy Ray Moore, a comedy and rap pioneer who proved naysayers wrong when his when his hilarious, obscene, kung fu-fighting alter ego, Dolomite, became a 1970s blaxploitation phenomenon. And it's great because, you know, it shows kind of the, the, the way that Rudy Ray Moore, you know, he... he it starts off kind of at the bottom. Like he, he showed up in LA and he wanted to be a star and he's not, yeah. he's, he's, he's just working his way through and, and he's not going anywhere. And he kind of just latches onto this, this thing where it, like this wino is coming in and, and, and he catches him saying this stuff. And he's like, I, if I took some of that and changed it and refined it, I might have something. And he creates this character of Dolomite. Hmm. And goes up on stage as like looking like this pimp character and this kind of like rap comedy rhyming thing going on. And, and it takes off and people love it, even though it is like incredibly crude, incredibly crude. But it is it is funny. And he kind yeah. of goes becomes a you know, he records his first album like in his apartment with a bunch of friends like they have a house party and he records it there. And no one will sell it. So he decides he's going to sell it. So he starts selling it out of the trunk of his car. And he's he's selling hobbies, finally gets someone to distribute it. And then it ends up charting on oh, Billboard, wow. like in this in the early 70s, in spite of the fact that, like, you can't display the album because the album itself, like, has an, has like a naked woman on the front of it. And like, it's just the language is like over the top. And so people are managing to get a hold of this album, even though like you're not going to find it like in the front in a record store or anything like people have to seek it out and they seek it out. And and then he's like, OK, his next he records more albums and then decides like, OK, if I'm if I make a movie, then I don't have to travel around to different clubs like I can be anywhere. So he goes through, he like leverages all the money he's made. He like ends up making this deal with his record company where, you know, to you know, it's crazy. Like he just, he puts everything into it 
and and just you see this guy kind of succeed just through almost like sheer will yeah. <laughs> and his willingness to like you know just i just want to entertain people and all this it's oh it's it's inspirational it really is for something like this foul mouth yeah yeah it is it is truly inspirational oh, it really funny. is uh, but it is well worth a watch uh it's not a family flick uh, <laughs> as you might expect yeah you definitely want to definitely want to watch this one after the kids have gone to bed. Mm. Uh, but oh, it's, it's a great watch. Great watch. It's funny. And also, you know, like I said, it's inspirational. So I'd highly recommend it. Very nice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, six hours and 43 <laughs> minutes later, we are done with this episode. Good Lord. Covering region one of oh. our Battlestar Galactica bracket. Tune in next week when we have another eight hour episode to cover region two. And, uh, and you'll now you know, make sure you get some Gatorade, some vitamins, and, and stockpile some food and some snacks mm-hmm. for this one. Either that or several commutes to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thank you again for all uh, listening. We definitely appreciate it. If you're new to the podcast, if you have not joined the Free Range EDC congregation, uh, we do so welcome you for uh, this uh, first opportunity. And uh, you know what? You ought to subscribe because... Well, that's what you're supposed to do. So go to freerangeadc.com. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, a bunch of other places. So search for us, ask for us by name. And like I said, if you can't find us there, then go to freerangeadc.com and you'll find us there. Go back and find all of our episodes. Download them all. Download them all. Because, I mean, hey, what else are you going to do? Um, and if you like, if you really like us, if you really want to take the next step forward in the free range idiocy congregation, be sure to follow us on the social medias because we love us some us. You can find us on Facebook. We are on the Instagram. We are on the Twitters. You can find all of those at free range idiocy. If you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, offers of outright bribery, or if you, especially if you got a complaint, don't send it to me because I don't care. Send it to Tim at freerangeidiocy.com <laughs> and he will get back to you forth with ASAP uh, sooner rather than later. And, uh, you know, he'll, he'll just tell you to go pound sand, but in a really nice way. No more Mr. Nice Guys! No, I won't. <laughs> no, you won't just tell him in a nice way or you won't tell him to pound sand? I won't tell him to pound sand. I will listen. I will respond. See, there you go, folks. That is the free range EDC promise, I, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Boy, you and I both, you, the articulation is just going downhill in a, in a hurry. <laughs> I mean, it's really obvious that we don't script these things out, but you know what? Oh, it is very on brand. That's so the one often. thing that we can guarantee you. Log jam of the brain, baby. <laughs> Oh, every so often? That's that's actually a better description of our show than anything I've come up with. A log jam of the brain. That'll that'll lead off the next episode. Well, it's now time for me to stop my yapping as everyone says, hallelujah. And uh, it's time for me to hand this over to the man they call Tim to take us home. But before we do that, I need to ask one simple question. It is not just any question. It is the second most important question asked ever by humankind. Mm-hmm. The first, of course, being what is hip? The second being... What the hell did we learn this episode? Well, we learned the following, my friend. I'm always so glad that you have a list. Can I just tell you? Well, that? you're welcome. That's uh, it, it comforts me. Big bucks. <laughs> Wait a minute, you're making a buck? Uh, you got some sort of sponsorship deal that I'm, I'm not aware of? A little under the t- No, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, I see how this works. Well, we have learned the following. We have learned that there's going to be a fourth Star Trek movie, but uh, apparently the cast hasn't been made aware of it yet. So we will see what happens with that and if it will end up being less of a train wreck than the uh, BSG Peacock series, which we are still awaiting to hear some sort of news about. 
What's going to be great is they're actually then after, immediately when that's released, they're going to announce a fifth one, and it's, but it's going to be a shot-for-shot remake of Star Trek V, <laughs> just with a new cast. <laughs> <laughs> the the director's cut by Shatner, kind of like what yeah. Stallone did for Rocky IV, right? <laughs> I have an idea for a movie. Indeed. Uh, we have learned Doctor Strange is looking strange and good and uh, mm-hmm. can't wait for it to come out and we also are uh, just basically bracing for impact on the real and jabroni because that is going to oh. be one big messy real and jabroni folks it's going to be oh. that is literally going to be just us flipping a coin going I don't know why not false sure. false. <laughs> false you're wrong jabroni <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, and uh, we have also learned, uh, as, as much as uh, we enjoyed the series, all things must come to an end. We, we bid adieu to another life, but we look forward to what uh, Miss Katie Sackhoff will be in next in the future. Uh, and we have also learned uh, that Uncle Todd and the man they call Tim uh, can still babble on incessantly for hours on end about BSG. <laughs> uh, and we are all the better for it. Uh, completely think. sober this time, though. Completely, completely sober. Completely, hundred <laughs> percent. Except for whatever is in this seltzer, I'm really starting to question. And finally, we can this seltzer go bad? I don't think so. Well, maybe I don't know. Uh, and finally, we have also learned that as much as uh, the man they call Tim enjoyed rhyming words that end in eight, now apparently he's going to be quoting Sean Connery lines, or at least the same one or two lines, over and over and over again ad nauseum. So you can look forward to that over these next few episodes because it does breaks the heart. Oh, sweet God. This is going to get old real quick. All right. With all that being said, uh, you know, we we are uh, appreciative of the listens. We're appreciative of the downloads. We are but a a small, humble podcast, though. Uh, Two chuckleheads just doing something for fun. You know, just with with this uh, vehicle we have, we do just want to say thoughts and prayers go out to those in Ukraine. Um, do do try to support where you can, and uh, as we like to say, uh, you know, hopefully this this show brings a little bit of uh, levity to, to to life. But there are more important things, and we do wish for peace and uh, wellness for for those. So, with all mm-hmm. that being said, as we like to wrap up, be safe, be healthy, be kind, be good to one another, and uh, well, for no other reason than it's just good manners. Please hit the lights on the way out. You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Hey, Patrick. <laughs> God, has he been roaming around in the background all this time? No, he just showed up. Oh. Patrick. <laughs> Good Lord. He, I, I, I can't tell if he's late or early. I don't know. Now that we're recording on Sundays, it's actually kind of nice. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I kind of... I, I well, it's kind of nice and frightening. Like I didn't realize that he was in here this time, <laughs> so it, it's it's now I'm just you know what I don't even want to know if he's actually living here. He might be. I don't oh care. Uh, Patrick, what kind? Where'd you get this seltzer from? <laughs> gosh. Well, no, I just I'm just curious what store you got it from. You didn't get it. Where'd it come from? You outsourced getting the seltzer. dude you're our intern that's like the stuff you do you don't outsource that well who got the seltzer no dude you better be kidding (laughs) i I can't believe you let 
Randy? Seriously? That chucklehead? Oh, God. So there's this dude who hangs out at the McDonald's next door, mm-hmm. and he's drunk all the time. Mm-hmm. You let Randy, drunk Randy, like smells like pee, Randy. <laughs> Gosh. Not even smells like human pee, but like some other kind of pee. Oh, dear. Like he has been peed on by something else. Randy, get the seltzer. Where'd he get it from? Fell off the back. Oh, God. What did I drink? <laughs> well, oh. I got to. I got to make a doctor's appointment because I need to get a whole bunch of shots tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good Lord. We're going to talk about this later, Patrick. No, no I don't want to talk about it with Randy. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I don't want to know what peed on him. Now get the hell out of here. <laughs>